Farewell and adieu to fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu, you ladies of Spain. Are we receive orders uh, to return what, back to what? Hey, where, where, where am I? Ah, uh, Shives. Decided oh. to wake up, did you? Oh no, you've had another movie-related psychotic episode. Had one, having one. Now get up. I need you on the bow. The bow. Oh my God, are we on a fishing boat at sea? Can't sneak anything past you, eh, Shives? Now get to the bow. The chum won't spread itself. Chum? Uh, are are we hunting a great white shark? Maybe. Okay, you turn this boat around and you take us back to shore. Two problems with that. One is I don't remember which way shore is. <sighs> what is the other? There's a shark eating the back of the boat. Ah! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And this is our 200th motherfucking episode. Can you <sighs> goddamn believe it? Our bicentennial. Our bi- Yeah, our bicentennial. We're yes. both by. <laughs> yes. <both> yeah. <laughs> yes. Announcement. For people who've been with us from the very beginning, thank you for being with us from the very beginning. For those of you who have just joined, what, where were you? What? What is? Yeah, you've missed two hundred episodes. You've missed two hundred episodes. You got some homework to do. You'll you'll never realize how different the show is now as compared to our first one, <laughs> which was uh, uh, our dinner with Andre. Our dinner, dinner, my with, dinner Andre. with Andre. Yeah. Yeah, my dinner with Andre. Um, <clears throat> all the way back when things were good. Ah, <laughs> oh, remember? I do. That was um, two presidents ago. Two presidents go eight years, so... Hey, everybody. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Yeah. What movie are we going to be reviewing for our 200th episode? Well, uh, I know it's one of your favorites. Is it? (laughs) So I've been told. But it's not it your. Is, it's not one of your favorites. No, it is, no. It, I, I, I have are, nothing bad to say about this movie. Are, are I don't want to have one of those no. episodes on our two hundredth. I'm not gonna. I don't want to spoil my review, but I do not have. Too I'll many spoil negative it. Things Steve loves this movie. It's a. I. It's yeah. It's a. Fa- well, anyway, what what movie is it? You may ask if you haven't actually looked at the title of the podcast you're listening to right now. It's well, I'll tell knobs you. and broomsticks. Bed, in honor of the late great Angela Lansbury. Wait, is, did she die? Yeah, you didn't hear that. No, when did she die? Like two weeks ago. Oh dear. I hate. I hate to be the one to tell you this. Yes. The estate promised me a note when she passed. Yes. Just, Jessica get, Fletcher is solving murders in the sky now. She. She's leaving me all of her bloomers. Oh, is she? I'm gonna make a killing on eBay. Well, you. You better. You better hire a lawyer, buddy. You got to get those things. There's a ton of murder she wrote perverts out there that are desperate for her underwears. You're looking at one right now. Don't ask me. It'll be on the dark web. I'll send it. It'll be on the dark. It'll be on Silk Road. Just check it out. <laughs> um, Silk Road. Pod, pod, heroin. Angela Lansbury's <laughs> underwear. Well, I just did a bunch of meth. <laughs> what could I do with all that underwear? What I would suggest, if you're a true pervert, yes. you would buy the unwashed ones and then steep them like tea. Obviously. 
Wow, we're starting our two hundred drink of her essence. You know what That's I love right. is that you know what I love is that this is all just we obviously we couldn't have rehearsed this beforehand because you this didn't can't even know that she was dead. I didn't know she was dead. I'm sorry. I'm kind of this sad is just now. coming right out of your heart, which is what is beautiful about this show. I think is that these these thoughts they just spring unbidden, just out of your heart, out of your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyone else die that I should be aware of? Mm, probably, but I can't think of anybody right now. Okay. Angela anyway, what movie was the big one? What um, movie are we actually doing? We are reviewing that classic among classics that yeah. the, per, the the first of the modern summer blockbusters. The Capo de Capo. The Capo de Capo. The the the, the the water source from which all summer movies spring. Absolutely. And the the source of Steven Spielberg's whole goddamn career. Mhm. We are reviewing none other than the original Jaws. Yay, Jaws. Yay. I love orthodontia movies. <laughs> is is this the one where he keeps asking him if it's safe? No. Oh. That's the other is one. The That's... one. Is this the right. one about the, the, the James Bond villain who gets his own spinoff movie? He was named after. The oh. Movie. That's how original they were. Oh. <laughs> what should we call this guy? Fuck it, Jaws. Fuck it, well, just call him Jaws. Let's just do it. Um... He's bleeding from the mouth from the appliance we put in. Who cares? <laughs> Shut up. Ask him if he likes having money. I've met him twice. Richard Keel? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's a nice guy. Well, good. Yeah, he seems I mean, he's you know, he's wasn't dead. he wasn't he he's, supposed to be He's he's dead. He's dead. I know he's dead. I know he's dead. He's not but anything what, anymore. But, but was it wasn't he supposed to be the Incredible Hulk? No. Before Who'd they cast him? No. No, oh, that Who was Ted Cassidy. Ted Cassidy. Who? Before, why? It was it was either Richard Keel or Ted Cassidy was supposed to be before they cast Lou Ferrigno. He one of them was going to be the Incredible Hulk, and I don't actually, remember the Incredible Hulk being tall and lanky. Well, I think that's why they eventually recast it. But there's actually, um, if you watch the the opening credits for the Incredible Hulk, there's actually one shot that is of the original Hulk. I and I can't. I thought it was Ted Keel, but maybe or, or yeah, but maybe it was Ted Cassidy, Richard. Okay. Keel. But anyway, but anyway, but yeah. So. Hey, Jaws. Hey, Steve. Jaws. Do you have any trivia for this movie? I do. I had to really dig because it's such, thanks. you know, an thanks obscure for movie. In the, thanks for putting in the work. <laughs> Let's break up during the 200th. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. And it'll really stick because we've just said that. So That's right. We got to make it totally, so real that they're for, that they'll forget that we've admitted that this is all just a setup. That's right. Um, that's right. Okay. So, yes, I do have some trivia about Jaws. Great, uh, you piece of shit. You motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, actually, 10 years after this movie came out, mm -hmm. in 1987, Richard Dreyfuss made a movie called Stakeout. Yes, he did. And he was in this movie alongside Emilio Estevez. Mm -hmm. And there is a scene in Stakeout where uh, where and they play cops and there's a scene in stakeout where Emilio Estevez's character is, they're they're like they're on a stakeout and they're trying to like kill time so Emilio Estevez's character is playing like a trivia game with Richard Dreyfus where he names a line from a movie and Richard Dreyfus has to guess which movie it's from mm -hmm. so Emilio Estevez says okay what about this one this was not a boating accident and Richard Dreyfus's <laughs> character and Richard Dreyfus's character doesn't know what movie it's from Okay. Right? Ha, 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 right? Mm-hmm. The thing is, that scene was based on a real conversation 
that Emilio Estevez and Richard Dreyfus had with each other out of character on the set of that movie while they were during a downtime in between shooting uh, where they were literally doing that to pass the time. They were asking each other trivia questions to kill time while they're waiting for shooting to start again. And Emilio mm-hmm. Estevez, as a joke, quoted back that line, one of Richard Dreyfus's famous lines from Jaws, and Richard uh-huh. Dreyfus failed to recognize it as one of his character's lines from hey, Jaws. Hey, so. Steve. <laughs> yes. It's the 200th anniversary of, uh, 200th episode of our yeah, show. Absolutely. 200th yes, absolutely, yes. Anniversary. The two, it's the bicentennial. Um, <laughs> Why come we're getting stakeout trivia? Oh, it's Jaws trivia. It isn't. This is Richard literally Dreyfus trivia about stakeout. If we okay. were doing stakeout well, well, and you here, brought this up, okay, I would understand. Well, here, here's some other trivia that is 100% about Jaws. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> so one of the film's most celebrated scenes is, of course, Quint's monologue about the aftermath of the sinking of the Indianapolis. Yes. And how the survivors were subject to frequent shark attacks. So in reality, almost none of the survivors of the Indianapolis were attacked by sharks. Um, There were sharks in the area, but they fed almost exclusively on sailors who were already dead. So Quint's version does not reflect reality. And more broadly speaking, shark attacks during World War II were very rare and are so uncommon to this day that the U.S. Navy has no formal shark attack training for its sailors. You hit it hit first, folks. The best scene in one of the best movies ever made is all nothing but lies. It's Nobody but from lies. the Indianapolis was attacked by a shark. Quint, Quint is a sad old liar, <laughs> and we should all feel sorry for him and his Why? deluded, <laughs> his sad life. Um, Okay, so here's another bit of trivia that is Wait, 100% there were people, about. Okay, just a second. There, the, the, were, people there were people that there, were attacked by sharks after there were a the few Indianapolis people. There, went there down. Were, there were a few people that were, that, there were a few uh, sailors who were alive in the water who were attacked by sharks. Yes. Um, the other ones that were dead got eaten by sharks. They weren't yeah. bringing those, those people. We couldn't interview them and say, were you attacked but, and eaten by a shark? But, but, but Quint's version of events that they were in the water for like 12 hours and there were sharks pulling people down left and right. That, that did not happen. They were in the, they were in the water for a very long time. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, I'm not they weren't there for a, 12 hours. They were there for well, days. However, lo- however long they looked, the, the, the boat went down and they were in the water for a while. And here's something you didn't some cover. People. Their, yeah. wa- their skin became so waterlogged by being exposed to salt water that when they would reach down to pull them up, they had to be careful because their skin would slough off their arm. If they pulled too hard, I don't. I don't see how that's a shark's fault. It's not the shark's fault. But what I'm saying is, is that you made it seem like oh, they splish splashed in the water. Hey, for they had a nice hours. little bob in the in the ocean, you know. And then a Catalina came down and gave them all <laughs> coconut drinks and said, "Oh, congratulations <laughs> for." Oh, by the way, did you hear the war is over? Japan gave up. The SS Minnow wa- happened by, and <laughs> what's that all about? All right, okay, um, that's. Okay. Thanks, thanks for poking a hole directly in the movie. That's, that's you're, you're, you're welcome. Here's another bit of trivia that is completely 100% about the movie. And I hope so. Um, did you know? It was, that was more about the sinking of the Indianapolis. Than it was. Uh, it's a matter of interpretation, but this is I another guess, bit. Um, this, is, this, is, this, is about, this is totally about the movie. So while sharks in the movie, especially while this one shark in the movie in particular, is depicted as being incredibly aggressive, most yes. great white sharks in real life are actually cautious creatures and avoid attacking prey that could fight back. Said the man that lives in the middle of a state so far. You're far away from the ocean. 
I'm relatively far from. I'm a few hours from the ocean. Yeah. Never seen a shark? Not no no. Never seen a shark. in the I mean, water. I've, I've, I mean, like at an aquarium, but I've never seen like. Have you ever like, seen a shark while you were swimming in the ocean? Oh no no no. I have. No. It's terrifying. I'm sure it is because they're quite large. In fact, I'm not certain. I was in Hawaii, and I'm not certain that wasn't a tiger shark that I saw with swimming around. But I got out of the water pretty fucking quick. Um, okay, so sharks are puppy dogs. They're so they they're, don't, su- they're they're sweet, and they you know they probably just want to make friends. If they come up, if they come swimming up to you, they probably just want to say hello. They don't have arms to hug you. They only have one thing. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they're hugging you with their mouth. Most attacks on human beings are by accident. Yeah. Because yeah. They, rep- they, they look like a prey item. Yes. And they're usually, usual, most attacks on humans, by great whites in particular, occur when they're juveniles. Yeah. And not so much when they're older sharks and they know a little bit better. Right. But that's because why surfers get it so much. Because here's the thing you need to remember about predators in nature, whether it's a shark or whether it's a bear or whether it's any other kind of, of predator in, in the natural environment, most of them are stupid cowards. And they will go for prey that they believe won't be able to fight back. <laughs> That's right. They're a bunch of stupid cowards. They're Welcome stupid, to Mutual Vomaha's Wild Kingdom. They're stupid, with, lazy with cowards. <laughs> they don't want to fight their food. They just want to kill it really quick and, and eat, right? It's Mutual Vomaha's Wild Kingdom with your host, Steve Shives. And another thing. <laughs> Let me tell you about lions, those motherfuckers. What Look a at fucking- this. Look at this scaredy cunt called the lion. (laughs) (laughs) King of the jungle, my fucking ass. What? I can't swear on public television? (laughs) They need to know the truth. (laughs) All you need to get through nature is a huge stick. (laughs) Just wave it around and be a loud asshole. They'll leave you alone. (laughs) That's right. Grizzly bear my ass. (laughs) I I have one last bit of trivia. Okay. That is about the movie Jaws. Mm-hmm. So, Roy Scheider's... last one Roy was Scheider's, about sharks. It well, wasn't but actually about Jaws. Again, I mean, Jaws is a movie with a shark in it. So if it's about sharks, it's also about the movie Jaws because... It know, also has cops in it, it but you, it's... Okay. I don't have... Well, unfortunately, I don't have any cop-related trivia, but it's I do cops have... Cops and fishermen and boobs. <laughs> and boobs. <laughs> Here's some Jaws trivia. Now, let me tell you about boobs. <laughs> um, no, so uh, Roy Scheider's character in the movie. Yes. Uh, he, um, his most iconic line is when he comes, he sees the shark for the first time and he comes running in and he says, you're going to need a bigger boat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that was improvised on the set by Roy Scheider. And uh, when audiences- Like a lot of the early, dialogue in this movie. Uh, that's, that's true. A lot of it is improvised. Um so when audiences at early screenings saw the movie, the, a lot of people actually didn't hear that line because they were still reacting to the they shark. They were still screaming at the shark. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the first really good look we get at the shark. And, you know, they're, they're all still reacting. So they didn't hear Roy Scheider say that. Nope. But, but Steven Spielberg really liked that line and knew that that would get a laugh. So they went back and actually recut the movie after those mm-hmm. early screenings to extend that scene by a few seconds the walk so that, back yeah yeah so that the audience would have time to recover <laughs> mm-hmm. so that when roy scheider said you're gonna need a bigger boat they wouldn't miss it and and now it's one of the most quoted lines in movie history so finally some trivia 
about the movie. I told you that it was trivia about the movie. Did you I know that know the, ben, the Ben Gardner's boat scene was a, was a reshoot? I Spielberg, wanted, Spielberg wanted one more scream. After the test screenings, he wanted one more scream. Okay. And so the scene where he goes up, where they go out to Ben Gardner's boat, the body popping down scene yes. was not in the movie. Oh, Spielberg was like, I want more. Mm-hmm. So he wanted more. So they went to one of the producer's backyards. They, they, put, uh, they put something in the pool to make the water cloudier. Mm-hmm. They matched the lighting from the boat from the previous scene, and they covered the entire thing with a tarpaulin. And Richard Dreyfus got into the pool. They put in that fake side, and they got a body made up of the dude, um, Ben Gardner. Mm-hmm. And then they shot the scene and edited it into the movie. Um, it didn't exist before. He just wanted it in there. And that's, that's awesome. another one of those jump scares where people are like, yeah. That's so, awesome. There we go. Movie magic. It's movie magic. Did you know the shark was broken all the time and is responsible oh, yeah. for why this movie is the way it is? Absolutely. That's one. Of, I didn't mention that because that's one of the more famous. I think that's the, that's the thing that pretty much everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, they, they, the original plan was to feature the shark a lot more. Yeah. But the mechanical sharks were very unreliable. <laughs> and It also gave the, so here's, here's one of the things with the shark being down so much, it gave everyone a lot of downtime. And what they did with that downtime is that they worked on the script. Yeah. And it gave them a lot of time to work the script and rework the script. And for Carl Gottlieb, who had been brought on after the script had been written, to basically rewrite the entire script. And everybody contributed lines. Everybody. And Robert Shaw. uh, Who was a playwright. Rewrote his, you know, his famous Indianapolis speech. That's contested. Yeah. Well, I think the version I've heard is that he, there was a version of it in the original script and then Robert Shaw rewrote it, and then Carl Gottlieb took Shaw's version and did a pass of his own at it. So the version that actually is on screen is kind of a combination of Robert Shaw's and Carl Gottlieb's. That's But who cares? It's all bullshit anyway. <laughs> Nobody, they didn't even get in the water. No, the Indianapolis never no. even sank in real it life. It didn't sink. It just no. had a, you know... They had a barbecue, and someone thought they, they called in rescuers. And then yeah, when the Catalina was, landed, they all had a party. Boingo yeah. Boingo was it, there. Exactly. It was <laughs> – exactly. They were time traveling. To, That's right. To, they were time to, traveling. To, to try, they were hoping to kill Stalin, but they missed yeah, the mark. They were yeah. all going, I wonder how the war is going. And then Rodney Dangerfield jumped up and said, who cares about the war? Let's party. Let's and then, party. Oh, That's right. Boingo, Boingo was there, and everyone was dancing. It was great. Yeah. They suddenly History. discovered – they had girls on board. I don't know where yeah. they came from, but, you know. Okay, you're done with your trivia, Steve? I'm done, I'm done, done with all my trivia. You're done, you're done with your not-related-to-the-movie trivia, goddammit. I, I, I feel that, you know... It We're going to have a talk after. Okay, okay. The patrons are going to see the talk. All right? <laughs> you're going to get to see me get my fucking shit kicked in. <laughs> you're going to find out what kind of boss I am. <laughs> the next time I tell you to do trivia for a fucking movie... That's right. I'm going to pull all of that shit from from uh, downfall. You're going to oh, see shit. a tantrum like do. nobody's business. Uh, yes. Okay. Ready for the Who Mades It? Let's do it. Okay. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. 
you know, that guy I have problems with. What's he done? With, with the exception of Raiders of the Lost Ark, I haven't been totally on board for all of all of the other movies that we've reviewed on this show. That's which true. is a lot. We've done a lot of his movies on this show, mm-hmm. um, but this one's my favorite, and it's his second one. So, That's right. um, but you know, you, you know who he is. I don't need to go through it. Screenplay by Peter Benchley, the dude that wrote it, and he wrote it, and no one liked it, and so it's basically been completely rewritten. But he still gets to keep his name on the screenplay credit, despite the fact that the screenplay credit also goes to Carl Gottlieb, who actually took the entire script, rewrote it from top to bottom, because Spielberg was like, hey, um, all the characters in the script are still assholes. We want to be able to like them. And so that's what Carl Gottlieb did. But they got lots and lots of uncredited help from lots of other sources, from the actors, from Spielberg, to people that they, they brought in to do passes on it or to help with scenes or whatever. And because the shark was breaking down all the time, they had time to do it. And what they wound up doing is making a great script. Yeah. And so, yay. Based on Jaws by Peter Benchley, he wrote other things like The Island and The Deep. And I think he wrote a giant squid book. I don't know. Produced by Richard Zanuck. And he's a pretty important guy. If there's a movie out there you like, more than likely he produced it. And he produced, he was a producer way into, I think, the 2000s, up until he died. They named a building after him at Universal, I think. Is it? No, at 20th Century Fox. Yeah. They named a building after him. When you do good, they name a building after (laughs) him. When you make a lot of money. That's right, baby. And also David Brown, same deal. He co-produced on a a lot of Xanax stuff. It was a Xanax Brown production. Starring Roy Scheider as Chief Martin Brody. You remember him from The French Connection and all that jazz. Yeah. And whatever that fucking Star Trek The Next Generation ripoff underwater Sequest. Was it Sequest? Yeah. With the talking dolphin. The show that Superman killed because it was on opposite (laughs) Lois and Clark. (laughs) Superman said, nope. That's right. Uh, Hey, he was not their first choice. He wasn't? No. They first offered... I don't know how I feel about this, because I love this actor. Okay. The first person they offered it to was Robert Duvall. Uh, Yeah, I've heard that. That's interesting. This is one of those things where the movie has become so iconic, it's difficult for you to picture anybody else playing these characters. Yeah. Right? Well, because it worked out, you know? Well, they were afraid that Scheider was... To, they, the only other movie they had seen him in was French Connection, and they didn't think he could play Chief Brody. Mm-hmm. So they were wrong. They gave it to him. But there was another person who really wanted the role. Who? And Spielberg didn't want great, big, huge name stars because they would overpower it. He wanted to make sure that the shark was the star of the movie. But this guy wanted it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Get your imagination ready. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Charlton Heston. Yee, wow. As Chief Brody. I mean, he would be more of a traditional, like, action lead. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean... I, I don't like the water. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> I could see him playing it, but not... Yeah. Not I think he would have been fine, but it would have been a lot different. I couldn't see him doing the scene with the kid, with the little kid at the dinner table. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he didn't really do that kind of... That kind of act, that yeah. kind of intimate, give your, give your old man a kiss kind of crap. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, Scheider plays Brody as not exactly vulnerable, but 
just he, you know he has an emotional core to him. Yeah, he's not he's not an action hero. He's a little you bit of a softy. Of he's yeah. you know, he he's not yeah he's not like in, an invincible action hero. And I don't know if Heston would have been up for that. I don't know if he'd approached it that way. Yeah, but then again, Heston made weird career choices. That's true. You know? And Heston was a good actor when he wanted to be. I mean, I, yes, he was. Yeah, there's no question. I think he could have done it, but like, would he mm-hmm. have? Yeah. But I also see him being really hammy in yes. this. So he's like, oh, it's uh, about a giant shark. Well, then all bets are off. <laughs> Robert Shaw is Quint. Mm-hmm. And you guys know him from The Staying and Russia with Love and a whole bunch of other movies. Robin and Marion is great in that. Mm hmm. Um, he was not their first choice. Do you know who they offered it to? Who did they offer it to? Lee Marvin. Okay. Yeah, I can kind of see that. And Sterling Hayden. Ooh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh-huh. I can definitely well, I... see Sterling Hayden. <laughs> Again, like like you said, I mean, they're so, the movie mm-hmm. is so uh, iconic at this point. It's difficult to imagine anybody else in the roles. And it's like, why? There's no reason to recast any of them because everybody's great. But like. Exactly. But Sterling Hayden as Quinn. You can see him playing. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The funny thing about this, more trivia um, Robert Shaw based his performance after the guy who was playing Ben Gardner. Because Ben Gardner, they had a lot of locals Mm -hmm. in the movie. And Ben Gardner was an actual fisherman out there that Steven Spielberg said, hey, you want to be in the movie? And he's like, sure. And he only has a couple of lines in the movie. Hello there, young feller. He would listen and Spielberg would listen to him talking, you know, throughout Mm -hmm. the onset and everything else. And so did uh, Robert Shaw. And Robert Shaw started picking up his vocal mannerisms and a lot of the stories and a lot of the jokes he would tell and a lot of the singing and a lot of that other crap. They got it from him. So there you there's your trivia, people. I'm not going <laughs> to go off on a weird tangent and talk about how sharks are nice. I'm just trying to expand people's I know better. And you. <laughs> a shark would kill you and take your money. <laughs> it's the devil fish. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus as Matt Hooper. Now, I do have to say this. Nine days before they were going to begin principal photography, they did not have Robert Shaw or Richard Dreyfuss. They did not have Hooper or Quint cast. <laughs> wow. Okay. Slightly so important here, roles. Here is everyone that they offered the, the part to. Okay? Okay. John, John Voigt. Okay. Timothy Bottoms. Hmm. Jan Michael Vincent. <laughs> Kevin Klein, who must have been what twenty? Yeah, at the time he must have been a baby. <laughs> Joel Gray, wow, I know as Hooper, as Hooper, that would have been and different. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, I can see. I can see Jeff Bridges yeah. doing doing Hooper. Yeah, he'd be a baby too. He'd be a little tiny oh, yeah. baby man, but. <laughs> And then it was finally, you know, it was one of those things Richard Dreyfuss didn't want to do it. And then he made a crappy movie and the previews were crappy. And he didn't think that he was going to get any more work after this crappy film came out. So he immediately reversed and told them that he'd do the movie as soon as he saw the preview. <laughs> a decision he did not live to regret. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lorraine Geary is Ellen Brody. And she was in 1941 and Car Wash. And she was the wife of the president of Universal. Hmm. Wonder how she got that. 
She's good, though. She's good. She's Don't good. get me wrong. Yeah. She's great in Jaws the Revenge. Well, I mean, <laughs> she has such competition in that movie. Mm-hmm. Murray Hamilton is Mary Larry Vaughn. Oh, yeah. Mayor Larry Vaughn. And you know him from The Graduate, The Hustler, Amityville Horror. <laughs> it's a bunch of TV. He's great. He's fantastic. I love, I love the scene in Jaws where he screams that the shark is a degenerate. <laughs> you are scum. You are scum. You are filth. Now, if I could have been a character in the movie, I would have pulled him aside and said, you know, a lot of people will come here if they think they can see a gigantic killer shark. <laughs> right. You're not playing this angle right. You got to you got to steer into the skit. You got to yeah. you you got to make this shark town. Come see it. We're going to we're going to push a bather off the pier every hour until the shark arrives. <laughs> and you know he would have gone for it. Oh sure. He would have if he think you'd make money. Absolutely. Carl Gottlieb, as I mentioned before, the co-writer, and that Spielberg asked him, please come and help us with the writing, and I'll give you a part in the movie. And he just got to pick one, and so he picked the uh, editor of the newspaper, Meadows. You know, the other scumbag that's always hanging around the mayor. (laughs) The other scumbag. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Kramer is Deputy Hendricks, and he's gone on to be a producer of TV shows, I think like Ally McBeal and The Practice. Um, Susan Backlany, Back Backlany, I think is how you pronounce her name. Okay. Um, as Chrissy Watkins, the girl that gets totally naked and killed, and and uh, at the beginning of the movie, and there was a rumor around going around for a long time that for her scene when she gets yanked under the water, that they broke her ankles. That is completely not true. That is completely not true. Although they did have her tied to a rope that was attached to the bottom of the ocean and the waves would come up over her head. That was scary. And then also they didn't tell her when they were going to yank it so that she would be surprised. Right. But it was like a thing that she wore all over her body. And she actually, I credit her with probably one of the most visceral um, performances ever. It's great. What she does in, in a matter of just, I think 30 seconds sells that so well it's such a great way to open it and go you don't want this to happen to you and here's why (laughs) (laughs) um lee fiero is mrs kittner and she has done almost nothing three movies one of which was jaws the revenge now i have to go watch that to see where i can find her in it but she was in that (laughs) And Peter Benchley as interviewer. Now you'll notice that I left off a whole bunch of other people who only have one or two lines in the in the movie, and most of those were locals in Martha's Vineyard where they were shooting it. Um, so hooray! Martha's Vineyard holds a Jaws fest, I think, every once in a while. See, see, Mayor Vaughn, what you can do? Yeah, you missed out. <laughs> you stupid son of a bitch! I hope I'm. Yeah, I wish your kids had gotten eaten on July Fourth. cinematography by bill butler and he's done cuckoo's nest three of the rocky sequels actually three i think it's two three and four Ah, um right in the meat and the conversation that movie we keep bringing up and telling everyone how much we fucking love that we have a great movie we haven't reviewed yet well we got to save some you know we've only done 200 
It's only been eight years. Yeah. Um, edited by Verna Fields, who uh, rose quickly in the 1970s. She uh, edited a few movies. Um, she became the head of a great big editing thing, and then she got a building named after her. Isn't that nice? They told you, when you do something important, you get your building named after you. That's right. Uh, music by some guy named John Williams. Production yeah. company. Never heard of him. Zanuck Brown. I'm not doing it. How many more times, Steve? <laughs> I think every time we do a Spielberg movie. <laughs> no. He was there in Superman, too. Hello, That's all, I'm here I, in no, Yeah, he doesn't well. just do Spielberg movies. He, does, well, he was there yeah. for fucking Harry Potter. It's not just Spielberg. He's all no. over the fucking place. I'm tired of making up jokes about how he doesn't want to do movie scores anymore. Well, now he's officially retiring, so they say. So, Sure he is. We have money. Oh, what? What? Here's one. Bonk, 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 bonk. Write, that, write this down. Bonk, bonk, bonk. You're not even getting out of bed. I don't <laughs> That's care. That's how he composes now. He just beats <laughs> his fist against the wall. Here's a rhythm for you. Go do something <laughs> with this. But John Williams, if I have to tell you who he is or what he's done, I don't, I give up. You're not going to learn it. You're not. I've, I've said it at least 12 times in other uh, reviews that we've done. Right? Yes. Yes. Production company, Zanuck Brown Company, Universal Pictures, distributed by Universal. And I think it was in one of, my, one of the previous reviews where I told you that Universal didn't stop making monster movies after the classic monsters went away. <laughs> nope. They've been doing it forever. This is appropriate for Halloween because this is a Universal monster movie. For sure. It's called a horror movie for a reason. Some people think of it more of an adventure because it gets kind of adventure at the end. But we're talking about a creature that eats people. <laughs> so that kills little kids and dogs. And everybody's and scared of it. Sexy ladies and old fishermen. Yeah, and everybody's scared of it. So it's a horror. It's a universal horror movie. And he's a universal horror movie monster. They should have. That's why, you know, if they want to do this dark universe shit, they need to get Jaws in there. <laughs> Start with Jaws. They need to. Uh, <laughs> Jaws eats the mummy. That should be the first one. It's a short movie. Yeah, well, Unless you're just the mummy slowly walks for two hours towards the beach. <laughs> the mummy should be two hours of the mummy staggering down a beach, and he gets to the end of a pier, and then Jaws this is just what, jumps up and bites him. This, this is what you do as he's getting further and further in the water. The water re uh, uh, re-energizes him. He, he turns back into a man, and he goes, oh, my oh, God. oh, and then Jaws, blank. <laughs> <laughs> right when he's back to life. The tragedy of the mummy. That's right. Um, release date, June 20th, 1975, and this is the other thing it did. Hey, Steve. Uh-huh. Was there anything of a summer blockbuster season before mm Jaws? Nope. Not really. Nope. This one woke everybody up. Funny how Star Wars came out during the summer in the next year. It's weird. And everyone seems to think that Star Wars is the one that kicked this shit off. No, I think it's, nope. it's fair to say Star Wars was the one Actually, that sealed the deal. Actually, it's two years later. Yeah, it's, it's two years two, later. Yeah. Star, Star Wars, Wars is the one that sealed the deal, but Jaws is the one that made Hollywood go, wait a minute, summer movies, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us directly to running time, 124 minutes. Budget, $9 million. Ah. Uh. How quick. Adjusted, adjust, this, should, this should start making us sick. Adjusted for inflation, $49.6 million. Yep. 
box office, $476.5 million. Adjusted for inflation, fuck you, Avatar. <laughs> A lot. Adjusted for inflation, $2.6 billion. <laughs> fuck you, Avengers. Fuck you, Avatar. Fuck you, Harry Potter. Fuck oh you, Lord of the Rings. That was like... This is the reason it, it made two point six billion yeah. in adjusted money. Okay, this is why I, I hate the people who said, "Well, this one's better because it made more money." And it's like, yeah, but you're not adjusting for the difference in price. Yeah, if you, you it has to be a level playing field. It has to be an apples to apples comparison kind of deal, right? Yeah. So don't yeah. stop telling me that so Avatar is the biggest mouth. blockbuster of all time, right? Well, and also, I mean, not to keep beating this dead horse, but people are still talking about Jaws 45 sure. years later. People are still fans of it. People, are, people yeah. are still discovering it. People are, are tuning in and they're going, oh, I've never seen Jaws before. I think I'll watch it. And then they wind up loving the fucking yeah. thing. People are still quoting lines from it. When's the last time you heard somebody quote a line of dialogue from Avatar? When's the last time what? you remembered a line of dialogue from Avatar? <laughs> there aren't any lines from Avatar that are worth quoting. That's right, but... Jaws has entered the lexicon. Absolutely. It's entered, it's it's gotten into the cultural zeitgeist. There are things in Jaws that everyone can point to and remember. If everyone's seen the movie, there are things that we all, you you got to get a bigger boat, has been yeah. used in other movies and a whole bunch of other stuff. And that's that's what happens. Avatar, blah. Nothing. Well, because I think the thing with Jaws, the difference is there have been movies there are other movies that made a ton of money and that like that a lot of people talk about or mm -hmm. that had a lot of buzz. Jaws yeah. is one of those movies that when it came out, almost everybody actually saw it. Everyone like, went and got, went to went the to movie theater and saw it. And that's the difference. I mean, I'll be, I mean, you know, like a bunch of people saw the Avengers. It's not like nobody sees these movies, but like everybody saw Jaws, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Everybody yeah, did. Yeah. It was it was the movie that everyone went to go see. Yeah. It didn't matter that it was rated R. They were letting kids. <laughs> it was the they 70s. Were letting they didn't anybody, give a shit. Anybody who wanted to see Jaws got to see it. And that was kind of the deal. I mean, the rating system was still relatively new. And so I remember I saw I remember when I saw it, I saw it at the drive-in. Mm -hmm. I wasn't supposed to be watching it. <gasps> We were there to see the fucking Apple Dumpling Gang. Oh, and Jaws but is a little I, different. I was turned around in my seat. And I don't care that I didn't have the audio. I was watching Jaws. <laughs> and, my, and my dad kept saying, you're not supposed to be watching that. And I was like, mm-hmm. But there's only so far. I mean, come on. How was Don Knotts and, and uh, whoever? Tim Conway. Tim Conway, yeah going to compete with a fucking shark swimming yeah. around eating people. Well, especially when you can see them for free on TV. And the best part was when you heard the screams from the other screen, that was your cue to turn around to see what was going Ooh, on. Something's happening. Yeah, something <laughs> cool's happening. Oh, the shark just ate somebody. The only screams from the people watching the Apple Dumpling Gang were the parents that were trapped there with their children having to watch it. <laughs> Who just, they reached a certain point where they just couldn't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And boy, what a contrast. Because I rewatched the Apple Dumpling Gang not too long ago, about a month ago or so. It's Did you? garbage. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. You know, what's his face? Uh, uh, Bill Bixby's in it? Is he? I didn't know that. He's kind of the main character. Oh, well, good for him. It's not Don Knotts and Tim Conway. 
and it's shit, and I hate it, and it was boring, and it looked like it looked like every Disney movie that had been made up until yeah. that point. I, I've seen it once, and that one time was when it was projected onto a screen in the cafeteria of my elementary school on like the last <laughs> day of school when I was in third grade. Right. Yeah. But I'm in my my the back of my car, not my car, my parents' car. Right. Right. And on one screen is a movie that looks like it could have been made in 1952, and on the other screen was the birth of the summer blockbuster movies. A, a, t- a kind of movie that changed how movies were going to be made. Yeah. And it was Jaws. Jaws. Apple Dumpling Gang. Hmm. Jaws. <laughs> what a tough decision. Which one's going to last longer? So, yeah. Anyway, we're done. I'm done. Yeah. Do you want to recap this, bitch? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, Steve, let's put yeah. our wagers on. Okay, here we go. Let's put, let's put, on, let's put on our dave- diving cap. Yep. Even though we're a bald old man and we really don't need one, I don't. <laughs> it's an affectation. It's just it's it's vanity more than anything. It's an affectation. And let's bead you. Why don't we go into the water? No okay. one's in the water. It's <gasps> safe. It's safe to go in the water. Well, I just put on this sunscreen and I was hoping to get a little sunburn and and you know advance my melanomas a little bit please don't make me and my wife and children okay can i ask a question steve (laughs) yeah that man is obviously in his 70s his wife is probably in her 60s yet they have small children yeah that's not their kids small small mistakes (laughs) late in life a, a couple of late in life poor decisions sitting on the beach with them you didn't wear four rubbers the last time we had sex, did you? <laughs> oh, my God. I only wore one. I, we ran out. Oh, well, guess what, asshole? The thing we never wanted to have happen has <laughs> well, happened. Well, guess what, asshole? <laughs> we're going to have some water-headed melon baby come out, and we're going to have to take care of it in our old age, you stupid son of a bitch. <sighs> anyway. So, yeah, that's, be, that's the backstory of those people. Let's go swimming! Yay! Yay! And run! Swim! (laughs) Boat! Boat! Let's boat! Yes! Into the world, the wonderful world Mm -hmm. of Jaws. Steve? Oh, yeah. Take it away. Ooh. Well, I believe we start out underwater, do we not? That's right, we do. We're swimming around under, perhaps the shark's eye view. Because we're swimming around, and then we go up towards the surface, and then... It's a beach party. Dun, 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 dun. Wait, are these guys supposed to be teenagers at this beach party? Know. I don't know. Are they teenagers or are they just like 20-somethings or... Or 30-somethings? 30-somethings? Or or just, it's just people, dr- drunk people at a beach and... Smoking some pot. And yeah. There's a guy, guy giving rape eyes to some girl and she likes it. Oh, she's totally into it. And she leads him down the beach... You can tell this movie's dated because he's drinking out of just regular old cup. There's not a red Dixie cup anywhere to be found. No, no, br- no is... branded cups. <laughs> but they have a kegger and yeah. they have like a, a fire pit and everyone's... And there's always the asshole with the guitar. Of course. What is the deal with beaches or parties and the asshole with the acoustic yeah. guitar? Like, stop showing off. It's not showing off. It's just shut up. We, we, we brought music that yeah, we like Yeah, we're to listening listen to. to music. Can you not... Nobody right cares about the three chords you know. The only girl that's interested is sitting right next to you. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Why don't you go for a swim with that fucking guitar? 
I know it worked in college, but you're f- you're 39 now. <laughs> you're the oldest person here. <laughs> but she gets up and runs off, and he runs after her. Yeah, and he's and we uh, find out he he seems yeah. a little drunker than she is because she's like taking off her clothes as she goes, and he's like, "Oh, wait for me, I want to have sex." <laughs> but he can't get his clothes off, and by the time she and she's gets, stripping as she's running, yeah. she's buck ass naked and in the water, and he gets down to the the shoreline, and he's still completely dressed. <laughs> And then she swims around a little bit. The end. Oh, yeah. Well, the end for her. (laughs) Because what happens is she's swimming around in the water and she's having a nice time. And she's like, come on, get your drunk ass out here. But before anything else. Oh, yeah. And by the way, these are all day for night shots. Oh, definitely. Oh, yes. Very much. No, noticeably dusk, dusk for dusk for night shots, because it's obvious you can see the sun in some of the shots. Well, especially that there's that famous underwater shot where she's silhouetted, and it's like that ain't the moon. <laughs> it's supposed. I think it's supposed to be the. Moon. It's the bright. It's a very bright full moon. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so she's in the water, and all of a sudden, something grabs her from underneath, yep. and yanks her down, and she comes back up, and she's screaming, and yanks her down again, and eventually I she am. gets yanked underwater, and she don't come up no more. Yeah. Dun dun dun. And the. And the other guy is masturbating in the surf. Just or yeah, something. kind I don't of remember. just masturbating drunkenly, indifferently, <laughs> just like oh, I don't fuck it, whatever. He's just yanking on his flaccid. Yeah, he's like, ah, <laughs> goddamn it! I can't get in the water. The What's girl the fucking off. point? I dropped out of school. <laughs> what am I doing here? I'm the second oldest my, guy here. How can my life get any worse? At least I don't have that fucking guitar. So let's 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 review a little bit. Holy shit! Oh, <laughs> it's quite a beginning. Yes, it is quite a beginning. If <clears throat> if he wanted to upset people and get them scared, a mission accomplished. We're not what three minutes into the movie, and yeah. she's being chomped on already. Yeah, we've already got someone die. I mean, she gets yanked under. She panics. Then she gets lifted up and tossed onto a buoy, and then it comes back and hits her again, and she's screaming. And I hate it when they throw this in, but it happens. She says it hurts. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. Jesus. And then she gets yanked out of the water, and it's gone. And it's, it, it, again, it's one of those Spielberg things where you can see some of the inconsistency in the shots. Like, the sun appears in two places. Yeah. And at one point, it's behind clouds. And another point, you just see it. She's in the water, and it's just right there. Um, but the way it's cut, it doesn't matter. You've already, he's already started to racket up the tension the minute she gets in the water because we know what this movie is about. Right. And it also didn't help that this scene is at the very is was in the trailers. Yeah. Um, but she's dead now. Oh boy. But we we cut to the sunny home of who? Of Chief Brody. Chief Brody. Yeah. And Chief Brody gets out of bed. And I think he's hung over. Yeah. Because he's he's moving a little slow at the junction. And uh, he gets a phone call. And he's like, well, I don't know what to do. And he just kicks some sand over the body. I don't... <laughs> it's not my fucking problem, dude. I'm, I'm the chief of police. What am I going to investigate? It's, it looks like your problem, not my problem. <laughs> but we meet his wife. And uh, they're two ugly... Well, one kid is just ferociously ugly. The little kid. I, I'm sorry, but the little kid is just like he he looks a little bit like Lumpaka from from the Star Wars holidays. If they shaved Lumpy, that's what he looks like. He looks like, like a Wookiee child. 
Yeah. He's a great he's a great kid actor. I'm, I'm with you. But I'm, I can't argue with but, him. Yeah. And his older the, the older son comes in with his hand cut open and he's happy about it. Look, I cut my hand open. I'm bleeding all over the place. <laughs> I'm gonna be shark bait. <laughs> I'm gonna grow up and be a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the blood. But Chief Brody's got to go because he got to go. He got this call, and so he goes out there and he meets the the guy who's like, I'm, "Yeah, I'm an Islander." And I go the to dude who apparently and, woke up on the beach noticed that the girl wasn't there and thought, "Well, shit, I guess I better call the cops." But Deputy Hendricks has found the body, hasn't he? Yeah, she's mostly buried in the sand. All we see is just yeah. a, a hand sticking up. And a bunch of crabs. She's yeah, all crabs. the crabs. And the crabs all are like, it's, it's like, oh, yeah. gross. And, <laughs> and the dude comes up and says, I didn't give her crabs. <laughs> and then Brody just smacks him, just just full rotation with the back of his hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great, great cut shot after they show the body and everyone's upset. They cut back to Brody's office. And if you notice, both Hendrix and the, and the guy are both drinking Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. For upset stomachs. Now, this is something that I notice on this watching. I never noticed before. As soon as we go into the office, Chief Brody has an orange towel over his shoulder. Right. He then puts his coat on over this towel, and he has this towel under his coat all the way through to when he talks to Mayor Vaughn on the ferry. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Does he, why is that happening? Maybe it's Was there like, a cut scene where maybe, he was vomiting? Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to need to wipe my chin. Anyway, so yeah. he talks to the coroner. The coroner says, it's a shark attack. The, 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 his secretary is telling him about kids karate chopping someone's fence. There's another old guy who needs some, some minor fucking stupid miscellaneous thing from him. He tells, when, when the coroner says, it's a shark attack, he tells uh, Deputy Hendricks to go, uh, what was it? No, he's going to go make signs. Right, because he, yeah, he's like, okay, well, we need to close the beaches. Mm-hmm. So we need to we need to make signs because they don't have pre-made beaches closed signs because they don't close the mm-hmm. beaches. Um, he runs into an yeah. old man whose fence has been karate chopped, and apparently they also karate chopped bike tires somehow. I would be more concerned about the superpowered children that can destroy bicycles <laughs> yeah. with their bare hands. <laughs> That's the movie behind the movie. <laughs> What's the deal with these kids anyway? He goes to he goes to the hardware store and he picks up stuff. To make signs. Sign making stuff. Yeah. And then he, and then he mm-hmm. meets this deputy outside and hands it to him. And he's like, don't, no, don't you make the signs. <laughs> what he says is let, let the, what, let Paula do the, yeah, let, do let, the writing. And he says, what's wrong with, my, what's wrong with my handwriting? Let Paula do the writing. God damn it. You illiterate fuck. You can't even <laughs> spell your name. I can too. Then spell it. <laughs> Q wrong. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> You're only here because you got to make a wish. <laughs> Hendrix is walking back. Walking back, he's going to make the signs, but he runs into Mayor Vaughn because news is spread about the, the power brokers of all... Well, okay, so this takes place on an island called Amity Island. Right. Amity, as you know, means friendship. It sure does. Um, and Sheriff Brody finds out about the Boy Scouts who are getting their swimming badges, and he's going to go out there and tell them all to come in. He jumps onto the ferry, tells the ferry captain, I'm a police officer, you go over there and run over those children with your boat to get them out of the... <laughs> get them out of the water the, before something hurts them. I don't know what he's planning on doing. Uh, but Mayor Vaughn gets on the there. ferry. I guess. Mayor Vaughn gets on the boat, and he goes, Hey, 
I'm going to set up the premise for the movie, okay? So you just listen. <laughs> Amity Island only makes money in the summertime when people come here to swim. If you tell people that there is a shark out there, they're not going to show up and they're not going to want to swim. Now, here's the coroner who just told you there was a shark attack changing his mind because I slipped money in his pants. What is it now? Well, I'm fairly certain that it could have been an alien. An alien could have tried to beam her up and she split in half and then they tried to hide the body in the ocean. And you'll stand by that? Yes. <laughs> well, okay. It could have been a penguin. <laughs> what? It could have been a penguin. A penguin could have come and pecked her, pecked her a little bit. And then uh, she got tired in the water and she fell asleep and then the penguin tore her apart. So now we're afraid of penguins. Can I put a sign on the beach that said, be, beware of penguins? Okay, now that didn't work. Yeah, no, how about this? Penguins, nothing to worry how about. about. How, how about this? She just tore herself in half. It was a suicide. That's right. She swam out in the water and tore herself in half. She was thinking about the. She could have done it in town and we'd have a mess to clean up, but she was thinking about us when she did it. Good girl. How about a. What else goes in the water, guys? What, what else is in the water? How about a boat? A what? A boat. Oh, that's a boat. Yeah, she could have. She could have been out in a rowboat, and the paddle would have. Then she cut herself. The paddle cut her in half. We see it all the time. Now, how about how about one with a propeller? What what's that? You know, it's a thing on the back of a boat that spins around and makes it move. I thought they moved with magic. Wizards, wizards, Chief Brody. <laughs> a boat wizard tore the poor girl to pieces. <laughs> A random one who didn't stick around and said, well, I'm go gone forever. <laughs> These kind of killings so don't usually don't repeat themselves. He's moved on. He's gone. Brody is on his fourth sign that says <laughs> he's, he's, he's boat been, wizards. He's been making signs this whole time and like angrily scratching them out. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so he, what they, what they say is, it happens all the time. Girl goes out in the water. She gets tired and then she gets run over by a boat. Sure happens all the time. And Brody's like, you'll stand by that? And he's like, what? I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I only became coroner because I, I thought it said corner instead of coroner. When I applied for the job, I thought I'd just stand in a corner and make money. And apparently I got to do things. <sighs> I like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Brody and wife and kids on the beach. Yes. And Brody is kind of on guard. Yeah, he's a little nervous, he's, what with the, the lady who was killed by a shark yesterday. Yeah, and this guy playing fetch with his dog, Pippet. <laughs> Don't get attached. Poor, poor shut up. Um, some guy comes up and tries to talk to him about zoning while he's trying to look at people out on the water, and he's getting anxious every time he hears someone scream or whatever. We keep cutting out to the water where there's this large lady floating and then this old man swims up and for whatever reason walks right up and sits down right in front of him for no apparent reason, this old man. And he's like, you know, we know about you, chief. You don't like going in the water. You're afraid of it, aren't you, you little coward? And he's like, can you not rub your tits with your towel while saying that to me? Go over there. I'm not, I'm not done yet. I look through your windows at night and I know how many times you and your wife has had sex and in what position is reaching for a log. Look what I found. <laughs> we know everything about you, Chief. <laughs> but Brody but eventually, insults his hat and tells him to get lost. Uh, yeah. Um, then all of a sudden, the guy who was playing with his dog can't find his dog anymore. Oh, I wonder what happened to his dog. 
How many times can you stare out at the water with nothing on it, screaming your dog's name before you realize your dog's not out there? <laughs> Get a clue, dude. Your dog's dead. Your dog's your shark dog. food, buddy. That's right. But then we cut uh, this woman named Kittner, let her, let her kid go out on his little raft. And he's splish-splashing around, and all the other kids are splish-splashing around. And then the shark comes and eats him. Yep. And we get a dolly zoom. <laughs> we get a dolly zoom that that focuses in on on uh, on uh, the chief. Oh yeah. And then there's a lot of blood. Everybody's screaming, and Mrs. Kittner wandering around, going, "Alex!" And I was like, "Take a clue from the guy with the dog." <laughs> here's 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 some clues you can pick up. There's a raft floating around in bloody water. That's your son's raft. So where do you think he went? Hmm. Again, another gross scene. We're not even that far into the movie. It's only like 18 minutes in, and we've had two people chewed up by the shark already. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Yep. And the, mm-hmm. the, the bloody remnants of the kid's little yellow raft wash up. and mm-hmm. Oh, that's not good. Cut to City Hall, where everyone wants to talk about what they're going to do. And all of these people... Don't want to close the beaches because they'll run out of money. Exactly. Like, Chief Brody says, we're going to close the beaches. We're going to, you know, we're going to put out shark spotters and we're going to, we're going to check everyone's ID before they get on the island just to make sure that they're not a great white shark. <laughs> we're going to build, we're going to build a wall. We're going to build a wall around Animity to make sure that no great sharks can get in. I saw one swimming under it yesterday. Shut up. Shut, get, get her out of here. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and we're going to close the beaches. And they all go, we'll die if you close the beaches. But money. Money, money. And then Mayor Vaughn said, only for a day. And Chief Brody's like, wait, what? We didn't He's talk like, about only that. Only for a day. <laughs> and then someone from another time period appears. <laughs> yes, a salty old sea dog. It's Quint sitting in the back. Eating one of his pocket crackers. <laughs> I'll get you a shock for you. First, he scratches his nails down a chalkboard where someone has drawn <coughs> drawn a picture of someone being eaten by a shark. Yeah, and he's and he's like, because Kittner's Mrs. Kittner has offered three thousand dollars for the person that can catch and kill the shark that ate her boy. Right. And Quint's like, "Hey, dummies, <laughs> <laughs> listen." Uh, I can go ahead and catch that shark for three thousand, but I'll I'll kill him for ten, and you're gonna pay me because if you don't take care of this now, no one's gonna come to this fucking island. Right. <laughs> Especially if they think no one gives a shit shit about shark attacks. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, bye. And he leaves with some weird dude and his dog. They thank him. Thank you. We know. Yeah, he's. It really does start with his line. Y'all know me. You know what I do. What I do. You all know what I do for a living. And the audience is like, "What? What? Scare whole rooms of people? What does he do?" (laughs) (laughs) I'm the one that stands outside of the library without pants on. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you, Mister Quint. We'll take what you said under consideration. Okay. They temporarily put up some signs, and that's it. Cut back to the uh, the chief's house. He's reading up on sharks. Yes, he is. His wife. Wife comes up and scares him. He asks, where's, where's the children? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who fucking cares? I don't know. I, the, I saw them jumping into the water, splashing around. They had, they had sausage wrapped around their bodies. <laughs> they were both bleeding pretty bad. 
we got to admit, both of those kids are pretty goddamn ugly. We can do better. <laughs> we can just do this better. as an opportunity mm-hmm. to start over. But she says that apparently the older kid, Michael, got a boat. Right. And he's out sitting in the boat. And, you know, he jumps up and he yells at him, get out of the boat. And she's like, he's never going to get in a boat again after what happened today. And he's like, I don't want to be afraid of the water. And then she looks in the, in the book that he was reading. <laughs> There's like a picture of a someone being eaten by a shark or something. And she's like, That's get out right. of the water. <laughs> <laughs> oh. She sees a, sees a picture of a college kid trying drugs being handed to him by a shark. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's the first another step kid. down a dark path. That's right. Another picture of that same kid wearing short shorts, having to sell his body for heroin to a shark dressed like a pimp. He's like, oh, no. Get out of the water. Last picture of a severely emaciated same kid being loaded into an ambulance with needle marks up and down its arm while a a shark walks away counting money. (laughs) (laughs) If only you hadn't let him get in the water. (laughs) But she yells at him to get out of the water. It's a funny little scene. It is funny. Yeah. Cut to two dinguses. Oh, boy. Because, yeah, because Mrs. Kittner's $3,000 reward is still up for grabs. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of people are wanting to take advantage of it, including these two doofuses who are like, we're going to get that money. Yep. And they stick a hook into a pot roast <laughs> and they throw it out into the water tied to a tied to a chain. Yep. And uh, the worst thing that possibly happens for these doofuses... <laughs> <coughs> excuse me is that the shark takes the bait destroys the pier one guy's trying to swim back to the pier he makes it and the shark gets away and then we hear that story being told to him by by hendrix the next morning at the at the uh, harbor mm-hmm. and he's like i don't think that's funny we thought it was hilarious when we just saw it but and it's chaos. Everyone's trying to get into boats. Everyone's overloading boats. We meet Ben Gardner briefly, who helps who onto the onto the harbor. Steve, is this Hooper? It's Hooper. Yeah, Hooper comes in at this point. Yeah, and he he's uh, he's a fancy book learning fella from the Oceanographic Institute. That's right. And he tries to help out some guys to tell them, hey, the, sh- the the officer told me not to overload the boat. And they said, fuck you, as they were just putting barbells in it for some reason. <laughs> Kiss our ass, college boy. We don't need that. We're going to load all these bags of cement into our boat and then put 15 people in it. So shut up. <laughs> Shows what you know. Our plan is, is to throw the cement bags into the shark's mouth. <laughs> it can't fail. And- and uh, so Hooper meets him, and he's like, yay. And he's like, I need to see the, the victim, the first victim, right? Yeah. So they pull <laughs> out the Tupperware more, container that they've got her in. Cut to some more scenes of chaos with Ben Gardner right. commenting on all the idiots that are out there. People are chumming the water and throwing. One guy has dynamite. Yes. And even though it's a great big, huge ocean, they're all clustered together in like a 50-foot area. Where they're all just going to run into each other. Yeah, exactly. They're but not so pretty. Cut to the autopsy scene. And she's got a little, you're right, it's some Tupperware. And they, they pop the lid they, to make sure it's fresh. <laughs> they take her out of the freezer. It's and, one of those uh, little office coolers. And, you know. Dreyfus describes the body in scientific terms. We see a gross hand. But we don't see what's actually in there. Right. He lets our imagination take over. Which is worse. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And he says, well, this wasn't the work of some propeller or a penguin. <laughs> or, or aliens. Alien that... <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't a paddle accident. <laughs> this was a sharkin by Crikey. Mm-hmm. And the and the corner goes, oh what? No, he goes, <laughs> I was a shark. But come back to the harbor and they've caught a shark. Yeah, a big one too. A tiger shark. Yeah. And everybody's happy, including including Brody. Yeah, absolutely. He po- poses for a picture with it, along with everybody else, and he's like, Oh, crisis solved. We got the shark. But Mr. Science has to ruin the party. Yeah. With his measuring he, tape. He pulled he pulled Brody aside and said, "Hey, this one's not big enough. This is not big yeah. enough. It just this isn't the same shark. This yeah. isn't the same shark. But let's say it could be. Let's cut a, cut open the shark and see if that little boy is in there. <laughs> <laughs> Won't that be fun? What are you and, doing tonight? <laughs> and for the first time, I agree with Mayor Vaughn. We're not going to perform a half-assed autopsy on a shark and have that Kittner boy spill out all over the dock. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's. You know what? I think the mayor's right this time." He's got a point. And while this is happening, all of a sudden, you know, there's Miss Kettner there. She's wearing all black. And she yeah. slaps, she slaps, she's Brody. And she said, you knew there was a shark and he didn't close the beaches. My son is dead now. And I wanted you to know that. And Chief Brody should have turned around and slapped Mayor Vaughn. <laughs> this is for you. Mrs. Kettner <laughs> gave, this, gave this to me to give to you. Yeah. But instead, he goes home and gets drunk. And there's this yeah. cute little scene with his god-awful, skull-faced, ugly child. <laughs> this, mon- this monster. But it's still a cute scene where the kid is imitating him. And um, he's real drunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hooper shows up, wants to talk to him, and he's going to tell him. And he eats their food, so it seems like he's starving. I don't think he's eaten. No, um, I don't think he's found a place to stay yet. No. Uh, he's brought wine. Chief Brody should have just drank out of the bottle. There was yeah, no point. It's another of my favorite, like, you know, funny moments in the movie when he pours the wine. And for himself, he pours, like, a full milk glass of he wine. He pours a full tumbler of wine for himself. <laughs> and he, Hooper's there, and he's going to tell him, I'm going to go back to the Oceanographic Institute, and I'm going to tell them that you solve a shark problem here. And he's like, why do you have to do that? Because, because you still have a shark problem here. Um, and then Chief Brody says, well, let's go down and let's autopsy the shark. I'm the chief of police. I can do whatever. So they go down there and they, they cut open the shark and they find what's in the shark. They find a license plate. A license plate. A couple some of like tin cans. A couple of fish. Yeah. A- Amelia Earhart's head. Yeah. Still Jim, incredibly well preserved, I have to Jim, say. Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. Andy Kaufman, which is Andy weird because he was still alive. <laughs> he was still alive. Um, and Elvis. And he. <laughs> Who was also still alive, which again, really weird. <laughs> um, but no little kid. So the, he's, that, that shark is definitely not the one that ate the little kid. Nope. And An so, innocent shark. Hooper says, let's get on my boat because I'm rich. Let's get on my boat and we'll go out and look for the shark because he's a night feeder. I don't know how he knows that. Um, and he goes, okay. And then they go out on the boat and we find out some things about both of them. For example, yeah. that Hooper is rich. 
Right, he pays for most of his oceanographic because Brody's like, where'd you get this boat? Where'd you get all this fancy equipment? Is it from the university or whatever? And he's like, no, this is mine. I'm rich. (laughs) I'm rich. I don't care about things like money. And that's why I endanger my life looking after sharks. What about you? Oh, we left New York because it was dangerous. (laughs) We moved to this nice, safe island. That's right. We moved here so that our kids could be safe and secure and isolated and not... But no one said, oh, by the way, attacked by sharks. <laughs> but as they're talking, they find Ben Gardner's boat. They sure do. And, and it's been destroyed. And so uh, they turn on some lights that make the entire ocean look like it's, it's pee. And, <laughs> and Hooper goes down there in some scuba things, and he's looking around the boat, and he finds a tooth, a little toofer. And he's like, look at that. And then Ben Gardner comes up and says, can I see too? Hold it closer. I only have one eye. <laughs> He's just curious. Ben Gardner's eyeless. One eye is out. His body's in there. He screams, drops the tooth, and swims back up to the boat. The next morning, they try to convince Mayor Vaughn that they have a rogue great white shark that is going to continue to attack people until they take their food source away. Mayor Vaughn is like, nuh-uh. And they're like, yes, huh? And he's like, no, huh? And besides, we're going to open the beaches. You do whatever you need to do to keep it safe from the giant monster shark that's eating people. But we're going to make all of our money, right? Yeah, absolutely. The next day, we see all the people arrive for summer vacation. Peter Benchley has a little interviewer thing where he basically says, Great White Shark, Mayor Vaughn tries to convince people to go out in the water because no one has actually gone out in the water. These (laughs) These two incredibly old people pick up who are supposed to be their children who are less than 10 years old. I think they have three of them. And they go marching out in the water, and then everyone goes out in the water, right? Yeah. Michael wants to take his boat out in the water, and Chief Brody says, put it in the pond, because that's a good idea. Put it in the pond. Yeah, where you'll be trapped. Yeah. And he's like, but the pond's for little kids and old ladies and half-dead people. And he's like, just do it. Just do the fuck I tell you. And it's for that one weird guy who just paddles around the pond in his rowboat and tries to give advice to people that no one wants. And we're not really certain if he lives on the island or if he just comes to do that every year. (laughs) Boy, I hope something happens to him where he stops coming to the island every year because he's creepy. (laughs) But they do that. We cut to Mayor Vaughn trying to convince people to please come to him. But please, I love the fact that he doesn't even say shark in his interview. No, no, no. He says, he says, we captured a large predator, and now everything is perfectly fine. Everything's fine. We no longer have large predators in the ocean near Amity Island. And just in case, penguins, flying saucers, or boat wizards. We have checked for everything, and we're all good. We're good. So if you're afraid of a boat wizard, we don't have any. He's dead. <laughs> we killed the wizard. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, there's a fin. Uh oh! Everyone freaks the fuck out. They trample out each other on their way out of the water. That's right. And it turns out to be two little shits. Yep. They come up out of the water, and there's like they're surrounded by boats, and people are pointing rifles at them. And that's right. Even after they saw that there were two little kids, they're still pointing the rifles. At them. I love that they're, they they you get the reverse shot of the cop like pointing the rifle at what he now sees is clearly a child, and he is not moving that fucking rifle. He's like, I still got him. <laughs> And then the greatest, one of the better lines. He made me do it. <laughs> he made me do it. It wasn't my idea. Um, you can also tell that they filmed that earlier. 
it was not summer. Those kids are freezing. <laughs> Both of their, their teeth are chattering while they're trying to deliver their lines. Spielberg is like, do it again. Can You've we please it. get out of the water, Mr. Steven? <laughs> no! <laughs> Mr. Steven. Meanwhile, some artist hippie girl sees the actual shark going in the pond. Uh-oh. And she starts saying, the shark's in the pond. Help, I'm trying to power past my stoneness to get the level of anxiety that I should be expressing. But it's hard. But everyone starts running over there. And then the shark knocks over Michael's boat and weird rowboat guy's boat. Yeah. And then weird rowboat guy gets eaten. And this is the first time that we kind of see the shark. Yeah. Under the water. Under the water, yeah. And uh, then above the water, when he bites on down on the guy again, and he's screaming all over the place, they run up there. We see a leg get fall on the bottom of the ocean. It's gross. gross. And then they pull Michael out of the water, and he's in shock. And then we cut to the hospital, and Michael, Michael wants his Hot Wheels and some coffee ice cream. And then I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then Brody uh, pulls, pulls Larry aside. Yeah. And he's like, okay, so we're closing the beaches, right? <laughs> and he's still thinking about trying to save August. Yeah. He's trying to figure out how he's going to, how he's going to, you know, spin this in the press. How, how, why, okay. So let's just put, how in the hell would he spin this in the press uh, to try well, to get people to come back? There were I thousands of people heard... on the beach, and only a very small number were killed by the shark. <laughs> That's right. Out of the thousands of people on the beaches of Amity, only one person was devoured whole by a gigantic great white shark. So you see, your odds are actually quite good. So play the odds here at Amity Island. <laughs> Come to Amity Island and play the odds. Only three people have been eaten, and only one of them was a child. <laughs> Don't let the summer slip away. <laughs> like the lives of only three swimmers. Only mm-hmm. three swimmers. But the minute he signs that paper is the minute this movie changes. It becomes an adventure film. It kind of, yeah, it becomes an adventure yeah. film. They're hiring Quint. Absolutely. They show up. Quint's, uh, Quint's boiling shark jaws and making, <laughs> making liquor and giving giving Hooper a hard time for being a, a little city rich boy, which he is. Let's just face it. Yeah. But he also knows his stuff. But he also says he's going to go alone, right? I prefer yeah. to go alone. Can I ask you a question, Steve? Yeah. What he does later on, could he have done that by himself? It doesn't seem like he could have. No. He needed someone no. who was going to drive the boat so he could shoot the harpoons into the shark. While he was barrels. doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So he's a liar, man. He just didn't <laughs> want to go with them. <laughs> exactly. He was going to hire some other people or get people that he's worked with before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, I but don't want to bring these fuckers out with me. Cut to them loading up the boat. Hooper's there, probably bought all the stuff he was going to need. And there's a couple of dorks there helping him load everything on, including a shark cage, which Quint yeah. thinks is hilarious. Makes fun of him for the shark cage. Yeah. <sighs> you Mrs. go in the cage. Cage goes in the water. Shark's in the water. Our shark. Our shark. <laughs> shark eats your fucking ass. I laugh. Have a drink. Go wait home. around. Wait around for the shark to poop you out so I can laugh at the poop. <laughs> High five the shark on its fin. 
say good job, Shock. In a worse movie, that is what the uh, that is what the surprise ending would have been. Quint's been Quint working with the shark the whole time. <laughs> he betrayed us to the shark. <laughs> Chief Brody wouldn't allow me to park my boat wherever I wanted, and I want revenge on the whole town now. So I trained this shark since it was a puppy. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Mrs. Chief <laughs> drops off her husband, and uh, they all leave. They all get on the yep. boat. They sail out, and they're doing some fishing. Uh, Chief Brody is, is throwing out chum and throwing out chum markers. Hooper's masturbating with some sort of piece of equipment. I don't know what he's doing. And uh, Quint's fishing. Yeah. And uh, to the credit of Steven Spielberg, I have never felt more tension uh, watching a fishing line in my entire goddamn life. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, because he builds the tension so beautifully because mm-hmm. he keeps everything still and quiet for as long as possible. You see that all of a sudden there's tension on the line and the line is being pulled out. Quint very slowly and buckles himself that, in. that sound effect, that click, click, click. Yes. Just a little bit. Click, click, click. It's not a whole lot. Yeah. And he, he straps himself into the bo- into the chair, which disappears, by the way. <laughs> yes, that's right. But yeah, like you, it, it's very quiet and very slow and very calm. But you can tell from the way Robert Shaw plays it that Quint is being is very much in control. But he knows that some shit is about to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the line takes off, and he starts giving commands to everyone. And uh, he tries to bring in he tries to bring in the shark. Hooper is such a smartass that he says, "You don't have a shark. It's not a shark." And then when they try to bring the line up. It snaps. Yeah. And he's like, and it's pian- It's it's metal wire that he has. Yeah, he yeah. Says, Do you think any other fish, a swordfish or gaming fish, would have been able to bite through this like this? Shut your fucking mouth. mouth. I'm the <laughs> boss here. I know stuff that you don't. They're very antagonistic with one another. Yeah. Aren't they? Oh, yes, because, very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we keep going along. And... Uh, I don't know what Hooper does. Well, Hooper's supposed to drive the boat, but they're not driving the boat around. And uh, so Hooper's playing solitaire, and they tell they tell the chief to go, you know, throw out some more chum. And this is a perfectly. I'm going to just say this now. When we first see the shark, it's a perfectly executed scene, as far as so he goes out. Cussing was still relatively new in the movies. Brody goes down and he says, "Full ahead," because he tells. He tells uh, Hooper to go full ahead. And he goes, full ahead. Full ahead. Have him come down here and, what is it, deal with this shit, right? Yeah. He says shit. Everyone's kind of relaxed. We've relaxed the scene. There's no tension. And then the shark shows up. Yeah. Right. right also, we've, we've just had the tent scene right before that with the fishing. Right. And the, so and the you're kind of been... expecting right. that this is going to be a break. And then, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he gives that line, and that's when we get the other one where he goes back to, to uh, Quint, who's in the, in the cabin. He says, we need a bigger boat, and this is when it really does become an adventure film. And what they're going to do is they're going to shoot the shark with harpoons that are attached to barrels, which will not allow the shark to go under the water. They're terribly deep, and, it'll and tire eventually it'll tire him out and in many cases kill them, kill him. Yeah. Um, and it's fun, and they're chasing him around in the barrels, and, and Hooper puts a tracking device on one of the barrels, and they get two in them, right? Yeah. They get two in them. 
And he says, he won't go down, not with two barrels in him. And then he goes under the water with two barrels. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that night, they get drunk. And they Cooper and Quint start comparing scars, right? He's like, I got that one from Amore Hill. And Quint's like, I, you see, I can't move this that far because I, I broke my arm or something in a wrestling, arm wrestling tournament. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they're comparing scars and injuries. And, and they actually bond. They, they actually kind of bond find common ground. ground. Yeah. That's right. You know, Hooper points to his heart and says, Tiffany Zonsky, she broke my heart. They're all laughing. <laughs> and uh, Quinn says, I've never been loved. And they're all like, oh, shit, this got, this <laughs> got, we go. this got <laughs> difficult. <laughs> he's but now he officially him, too drunk. <laughs> he's now too drunk. And uh, he asks him about the wrong scar, doesn't he? Yeah. And there was a tattoo he got removed at the USS Indianapolis. And then Quint just makes up a whole bunch of bullshit. That isn't true, right, Steve? Yeah, it's complete bullshit. But but look, it's it's a great scene. And there's a reason why it's it's remembered as one of the greatest remembered as the best scene in the movie and one of the best scenes in any movie. And Mm -hmm. because it's just it's pure acting. It's just Robert Shaw telling this story. That's it. And it's it's perfect. Mm hmm. But to lighten the mood, they all start singing. And then the shark shows up. Yeah, and he's like, I want to sing. <laughs> Me too, or destroy the boat. They shoot at him a little bit. He kind of wrecks the boat. They have to fix it. The next morning, they're working on the engine. And then the barrels pop up. They try to get the barrels in. And uh, what happens? They try to get the barrels in, and then the shark takes off. So now they've got to put yes. barrels back in them again. Right. Because they lose one. So they chase after him. They get another barrel in him. Um, I think they get two more in him. Now he has three barrels in him. Yeah. No, he only has two barrels in him. They, they try to get the barrels back. They tie it to the cleats. And um, now and he's pulling the boat, and the cleats Hooper are about almost, to break off. Hooper almost gets cut in half <laughs> because, yeah, because Brody's not yeah, paying attention to what he's yeah. doing. Brody puts the rope on the wrong side of him and squeezes him against the side, yeah. And then the plan was was to drag the shark to so that he drowns, but then the shark starts pulling the whole boat. Yeah. And at one point during all of this, Brody gets on the radio and says, we're calling for help, and he destroys the, the radio. Yeah, Quint does, yeah. Quint destroys the radio. Quint's like, no, we're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so the uh, shark pulls the cleats out instead of the entire transom for the boat. And um, then they get another barrel in him. And now the, it has three barrels. And he says, it can't go down with three barrels. Guess what? Yes, it can. He goes then, down with three barrels. That's right. He does. And then they try to lead the shark into shallow water. Because now the shark is chasing the boat. Neither Quint or Brody, uh, not, neither Quint or Hooper has ever had this happen before or heard about this ever happening before. Because uh, they don't know that they're, you know, it's a god shark. Right. Quint won't listen. They're telling him to lay off the engine. He doesn't listen to him. He blows the engine out. Isn't that great? And now That's the not boat good at all. That's not is good at all. starting to sink. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't know what to do. And then finally they say, I have an idea. Let's put, let's put Hooper in a cage and put him in the water with the shark. And maybe he can get his pokey stick to like put some poison in it and that's what they do and that goes perfect and he kills the shark the end except not that no 
the because shark he drops the needle. <laughs> when the shark attacks him, he drops the needle and then breaks apart the cage. Now, here's some fun things. Ready? Ready. They hired people to go to Australia to actually film sharks. And they were going to put a smaller cage, a scale cage, because there was no way right. they were going to get a 25-foot shark. Right. And a little person dressed like Hooper to be in it. Now, a great white attacked the boat and got tangled up on top of the cage and started flipping, you know, turning around and, and doing stuff that we see in the movie, some of the footage in the movie. And Spielberg liked it so much that he rewrote the script because Hooper was supposed to die at the end uh-huh. of this. But the footage that they had of the shark on top of the cage, the cage was empty. So right. they came up with that whole thing. So they did where a he, reshoot he goes, yeah. where he goes up and over and then goes down to the bottom of the, the sea floor. And hides. Hey, hey, guys, guess what? That's a valid way to try to get away from a great white. They are not, they're not seafloor predators. As a general rule, they're not going to attack something dead on, especially if they see that there's rocks or sand because they'll injure themselves trying to get to you. They like attacking things that are up towards the top of the water. So if you get out of their way, they'll usually leave you alone. But anyway, in the movie, they pull up the cage and it's all broke. And they think, uh-oh, well, he's dead. He's dead. And, and then the shark goes, look what I can do. And it goes, and it comes up out of the water and lands on the boat. And now the boat is sinking and tilted. And Quint's, Quint's, Quint dies. <laughs> yeah, he's, yes, he slides Quint, down the, the deck of the ship right into the mouth of the shark. Quint has a horrible, awful death. Yeah, the shark goes, nom, 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 nom. Yeah, while he's stabbing the shark in the face with a machete. And now it's just yeah. Chief Brody, and he's inside the, the cabin, and the shark comes in and goes, I haven't forgotten about you. And <laughs> Chief Brody tries to get him away with one of the scuba tanks, which they sold earlier as saying, if you mess around with these, they'll explode. They don't right. really. Thanks, Miss Mythbusters, for ruining that. Anyway, yeah. so, but then he throws one into the shark's mouth. The, the shark swims away. And now he is up on the crow's nest with a rifle. The ship is sinking. The shark is swimming towards him. He's got he's got an oxygen tank in his mouth, and Chief Brody shoots the oxygen tank after saying, "What line scene? What Smile, line scene? you son of a bitch!" And he shoots him, and the shark explodes. Yeah, and it's dead. And as they show the shark body drifting down in the water, Steven Spielberg reused the same sound as the truck from Duel. When it was crashing, <laughs> they just altered it a little bit. And then Hooper comes up and he says, I hid like a coward. And he's like, great. <laughs> and I'm alive. Where's, where's Quint? He died bad. He died bad. <laughs> he got Ed up real good. And then they pull some of the barrels together and we show them swimming off. And, you know, Hooper says, I thought you, you were scared of the water. And he said, I'm more scared of it than ever before in my whole life. I want to move to a planet with no oceans on it. <laughs> I'm moving never... to the desert. <laughs> and then they cut to a shot of the beach, and you can see them approaching, yeah. approaching the shore. And I did this, and a lot of people did this. They watched all of the credits to see them make it to the beach. Yeah, absolutely. Because they, 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 they get onto the beach right at the end of the credits. and Right yeah. at the very end of the credits. And the credits aren't terribly long. No. It's not, it's not, you know, um, it, it, it's, I don't think it's, I think it's maybe a minute and a half, maybe? Yeah, yeah. But you see them reach the beach and they stand up 
and then it fades out and you go, I want to watch that again. Can I watch that again? <laughs> do I get free repeat repeat viewings in this? Can I do that? And they're like, get out. You have to pay for another ticket. There's 5,000 people outside that want to see it. Most of them are fucking stoned. Get out. They pay. We want their money. <laughs> so, Steve. Yeah. How do you feel about this masterpiece? <laughs> Jaws. Jaws. Um... I mean, we've talked about it a little bit already. It's it's one of the most widely seen and universally known movies ever made. It's yeah. one of the most referenced movies ever made. I don't imagine that... I, I'm pretty sure anybody listening to this or watching this has seen the movie um, before they watched it for our show. But If you haven't, if, you haven't. If you haven't, you haven't. But but if if you've never seen it before, or even if you watch it for the first time after not having seen it for a long time. It is truly astounding how many shots and lines and characters and little details from this movie have found their way into our shared cultural consciousness. Um, lines that are unremarkable in their original context have become mm -hmm. widely quoted by audiences for multiple generations. This is not a boating accident. There's mm -hmm. nothing this... special about that line, but people say it and they laugh because it's from Jaws. Mm -hmm. At one point, Brody's wife says, want to get drunk and fool around? Same mm -hmm. deal. Nothing special about that line at all, but nope. people say it because it's from Jaws. Um, when you watch Mystery Science Theater 3000, odds are pretty good that no matter which movie they're making fun of, at some there's going to be a Jaws line. <laughs> there's going to be a Jaws reference. Um I'd say about half the jokes on MST3K are Jaws references, and the other half are Frank Zappa references. You uh, said half the jokes for our Wizard of Oz were half of the jokes for Wizard of Oz. Now you have to break that into thirds. So it's half and, and half and half. <laughs> okay, whatever. But anyway, it's art. It's not math. But anyway, um, so and even even the sequels to Jaws, none of which were nearly as successful or as good as this one. No, have seeped into our pop, our pop culture in a deep and inextricable way. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. That's the tagline from Jaws 2. Mm -hmm. This time it's personal. That's the tagline from Jaws <laughs> oh the Revenge. Oh my God, Jesus Christ. This movie is so popular and so beloved that over the last several decades, we have chopped it up and used it to chum the waters of our popular culture. True. And And the thing is, the really special thing about it is not just that it is this popular and this widely seen, but that it actually deserves to be because it's good. It's yeah. actually that good. Nowadays, movie studios try to make movies like this, but when they were making jaws, nobody said, Hey, let's make the most commercially successful film of all time. Nope. They hoped it would In fact, make money. Spielberg thought his, they went, their, their shooting schedule was 55 days. They did 159. Yeah. Spielberg thought his career as a director was over. Well, sure. Yeah, because like you meant, I mean, like everybody knows, like the mechanical shark was not reliable. Um, the, the production went long. They were rewriting the script as they were shooting it. I mean, mm -hmm. so, I mean, it wasn't like a bunch of studio execs got together and said, here's what we're going to do. Like 
the people making the movie tried their best and hoped that it would make money. And it was, I mean, even though it's, it's, it's low budget by today's blockbuster standards, it was not a low budget movie for the time. Um, no. But nobody expected it to become the phenomenon that it did. And because it was made without those built-in expectations and because studio executives had not yet internalized all the wrong lessons from its success, Steven Spielberg and his writers and his producers and, and the cast and everybody were able to make a movie that set the template for mm -hmm. decades of blockbusters and would-be blockbusters to come, but that lacks the shortcomings of many of those later films. Characters in Jaws have depth and personality. Yes, they do. They aren't just one-dimensional types. Yes, Brody is scared of the water, but the movie doesn't lean on that one quality so hard that he becomes a cartoon character. No, they don't push it. No. Yes, Hooper is the academic from out of town, but he's also shown to be genuinely knowledgeable and a capable sailor. Mm -hmm. Yes, Quint is the grizzled old shark hunter, but... He's also funny, and he also has an air of tragedy around him. He's, he's a multifaceted character. Mm -hmm. When characters interact with each other, it's not all one-dimensional. If they're arguing in one scene, that doesn't mean they're arguing every time we see them together. If they start out as enemies, that doesn't mean they end up that way. Hooper right. and Quint seem destined to hate each other, but they grow to have mutual respect. Um, and that growth feels natural. The humor is likewise natural and confident and comes in a variety of ways. Yes, there are some funny lines, but there's also some physical comedy. There's that shot of Hooper making faces at Quint behind his back. Yep. There's people just acting like people and humor coming from that. Um, the reputation as a master of suspense that Spielberg acquired after this film was totally earned. Yeah. Sometimes Jaws, You know what they told him? Yeah. You know what they told him? Because he was having second thoughts. Right. When making it. Um, the Zanuck told him, you make this movie and it's even marginally successful, you're going to be able to make whatever movie you want. And that was true. Because his next, movie, his next movie was written by him and that was Close Encounters. Yeah. He, he basically got, you know, this could happen in the 70s. He got a blank check. Yeah. And he was told, you can do whatever you want. Um, anyway, sorry. And, and again, and, 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 he, and he earned that too, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's sometimes described as, as the killer shark movie that never shows the shark. But that's only true for about the first hour or so. Yep. Uh, the brilliant thing that Spielberg does is he hides the shark almost completely for the first hour. And then he starts showing it to us bit by bit. And mm -hmm. sometimes in shots that are scary for just how blunt and unpretentious they are. Like we mm -hmm. mentioned briefly that that first shot where the first clear look we get at the shark when it doesn't even come out of the water yet. It's still under the water and it's like it's like going by the boat. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that's the scariest shot in the movie um, because it's the first clear look we get at the shark and there's no build up. There's no teasing. The shark is just there. Mm -hmm. And the directness of it is shocking and brilliant. And it's there and then it's gone. Like it just swims by like no big deal. And you're like, oh, right. fuck, there it was. You know, like, <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it works. It's perfect. Um, yeah. The music, I mean, this is the score that defined John Williams as a composer. Yes, it is. Um, yes, it is. And helped to define Spielberg as a director. Uh, you know, so, I mean, he basically admitted he took, the, the uh, percussive beats of 
Tchaikovsky's Rite of Spring. Yeah. You know how that one starts. It's dun, 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 dun. And he just kind of slowed it down and gave it its own little beat. But he was inspired by um, other composers when it came to this. And he had a director who said, yeah, I like that. Keep doing that. Yeah. And he did for the next 50 years. For the next 50 years. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, like, you can see why they have worked together so many times since then. Because this movie is a masterclass of what it's like when a director and a composer work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Because Williams knows when to amp up the suspense and mm-hmm. he knows when to open up and score the movie like an adventure movie, which is what Guess we get when, in that last act. Have, have you noticed when the score disappears? When people yeah. are being killed. When people yeah. are being killed. Yeah, the, the yeah, this the, the music doesn't try to underline mm-hmm. stuff that is visually horrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean when the shark leaps out of the water, there's no soundtrack from the time it leaps out of the water until it uh, and through when it eats Quint. There is no yeah. there is no music, um, and I think it's because they felt it didn't need it. And I agree, no. it didn't need it at that point. Um, it would have been a, a distraction. It doesn't start coming back in until Brody is back up on the on the crow's nest. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the score in many ways is is the voice of the movie and mm-hmm. um and it's the voice of steven spielberg's movies it's you hear that score and even again if somehow you've never seen jaws before you hear that score and you think two things that sounds like john williams and this must be mm-hmm. a steven spielberg movie i mean it just it has a sense and an aesthetic and and a, a tone to it that it just you immediately associate that with steven spielberg and this is really the first Steven Spielberg movie. I mean, it's not the first movie he ever directed. No. Nope. But it's the movie that made him and that forever etched his style and his sensibilities onto all of our brains. It's the first quote-unquote Steven Spielberg movie. Um, yeah. And it is the greatest popcorn film ever made. Um, it's one of the greatest films ever made, period. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most popular films ever, and it's one of the few films where that incredible, before this, unthinkable popularity is actually earned by its mm-hmm. quality, you know? And yeah. that's, 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 it's not the only movie you can say that about. There is a select few of movies that are both incredibly popular and were just stunningly profitable at the box office and that are also legitimately great films. But Jaws is right there at the top of that list. I mean, there are very yeah. few movies like this that you, it, it is literally so popular that it seems like almost everyone for the last 50 years has seen it. And, yeah. and you watch it and you think, holy shit, it's actually that good. So yep. yeah, that's, that's what I think. <laughs> One of the things, so I saw Jaws finally, uh, not looking out the back window of my family's car. I think probably when it finally made it to cable. Um, yeah. and, and I love, I love the movie. I've loved the movie since, since then. Um, and what's amazing to me is that the more I find out, find out about the making of the movie, the more I found out that it seems to be a combination of a number of things that makes this movie successful. And one of the things that I noted, and I brought it up earlier, was the ability to work the script. Mm-hmm. Um, the, as I noted, Peter Benchley's was allowed to do the first screenplay and the characters that he created were not, they, like Steven Spielberg said, they were assholes. He didn't like them. He said, I need to like these people. And a lot of work 
went into making these characters likable, making them, giving them something that we can identify with or like or want to be with them. I like Chief Brody. I like Matt Hooper, and I even like Quint. And they worked on it to make sure that one of the things that we have to understand is we start liking these people as we're developing it along the line. Uh, As the story progresses forward, we're starting to like, you know, Hooper and Brody. And then when we get them all on that ship, now we're worried for those three characters, right? Are are they going to be able to pull off what they need to pull off? And that is kill this shark. Um, And I don't know what would have happened if that shark had worked, how different this movie would be. (laughs) You know what I mean? If they were clicking along and they didn't have time for rewrites and they didn't have time to say, Hey, can we add a monologue here? Hey, can we have uh, at the dinner scene? Can we explain why, Matt's uh, loves sharks, right? Is there dialogue in there that allows him to express his love of sharks? When they're on the boat, and he wants to get pictures with the shark, and he's trying to get Brody to go further out onto the, onto the, uh, onto the stern so that he can get him for scale. You get the definite differences between the two <laughs> characters. One, yes, he's concerned, but there is also an opportunity for him to see them, and the way they all talk about the shark is very different. You have Quint... Whose, whose relationship with the shark is that of a fisherman. He brings it up the first, when he's, when he's talking to, to Hooper, and he, he say, when he says porkers, are you talking about porkers? And he says, let me tell you, when, when Mr. Whitey comes up and you've got you know, a $5,000 net and you have $3,000 worth of fish in it, up comes Mr. Whitey, and when he's done with it, it looks like a kindergarten class. His, his association with the shark is that through commerce, what he does for a living, right? He kind of presents him like a nuisance, all three of these characters come to realize that they've bitten off more than they can chew. Hooper, the guy of science, um, you know, uh, Quint, the guy of practicality, and the outsider, the complete outsider. He, when they're doing that scene, Brody is the outsider. When they're doing that scene where they're comparing scars, they do that little scene where Brody lifts up his shirt a little bit because he has an appendix scar. Yeah. <laughs> And that's all he has. Yeah. These guys, these two guys are 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 swapping war stories about working with fish. <coughs> Brody doesn't have anything. In fact, <clears throat> the two of them, Brody, uh, uh, Quint, and Hooper, could probably have an entire conversation where they understand each other. And Brody doesn't. He's from yeah. the city. He's a city mouse. He came He's, from yeah. the city. Yeah. He doesn't understand any of this stuff. I don't even know if he can swim. Yeah. We never cover that. I have a sneaking suspicion even though it's never said in dialogue, that Chief Brody can't swim. Mm -hmm. And what's great is you establish these characters, you get these things in there. When we talk about he's a little paranoid, he's he's a little afraid afraid of the water. Like you said, they don't hammer it down. It's not like he gets, there's a scene where he gets in the water and he gets out and he's panicked and he's freaking out. No, we just have people say, well, he has a problem with the water. Yeah. It's obvious something that he doesn't want to pass on to his son. But during the scene where, where, you know, Ellen says, "I don't think I don't think he'll ever go in the water after what happened today." And he says, "You know, I don't. You know, I don't want that." Right. Right. And the scene when the Kittner kid gets killed, Chief Brody runs up, but stops right at the water line. He doesn't even put his feet in the ocean. It's just yeah. one of those subtle little things. Everyone else is trying to get everyone out. They're going into the water to get him out. He will not go. He will not go there. He, that the what he is legitimately afraid. It's the little tiny character things that they had time to do. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I always wonder, had they been on schedule, would we even be talking about this movie right now? If they had gone with a, a script that lacked all of the stuff that we genuinely love. And the things that I genuinely love about this movie is not the shark. Spielberg got it wrong. The shark is the shark. Big deal. I watched and rewatched this movie to spend time with the characters that were created for this movie mm-hmm. and their interactions with each other. That's the great part. You know, you don't have oh, people yeah. going, oh, and remember that time when you saw the shark, blah, blah, blah. No, they're bringing up the lines, dialogues, and scenes that they remember as these people were working together. Yeah. The and shark is just the thing that drives the plot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what's great about the movie. Now, here's the thing. It is a great popcorn movie, but it is also a, just a great... What was that? That was a motorcycle tearing down the road. Oh, Jesus. Um, but it's also a legitimate work of art. It yeah. is a legitimate fo- uh, um, example of the art form. It wasn't just made... I mean, yes, it could have just been made to get butts in seats, to scare them a little bit, and get them out. But they worked on it. They made characters. They made... I'm, I'm going to say this legitimately. They made a successor to Moby Dick, but they made it in film form. Yeah. Now, most people may not know, Moby Dick is one of my favorite books. I read it all the time. Um, it's never been made well into, into film. It's never been made well. I don't think it ever will be, unless someone is planning, yes, we're going to have a 23-part series. <laughs> episode, episode three is just going to be about the differences between Manhattan clam chowder and New England clam chowder. <laughs> so um, it gets, it's, it's kind of a documentary <laughs> for a couple of episodes. For a couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, but it kind of has those same themes. You can really compare Quint to Ahab, especially towards the end when he becomes obsessed with, when he destroys his boat trying to drown the shark. Um, and in his death. In yeah. the book, it's even closer to that. In the book, Quint gets tangled up in all of the lines and shit that they have thrown at this shark, and he drowns when the, sh- when the shark goes back underneath the water, and his body is attached to it, just like Ahab's Which is exactly was. what happens in Moby Dick, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but just to say that it's just a popcorn film, no. It's a highly entertaining film, and people wouldn't go back to it on a regular basis if it was just that. Does it have something to say about something? Not really. I've seen, I've seen critics try to assign, well, you know, obviously Hooper represents the upper class and, uh, you know, Quint represents the lower class and Brody is the middle class. And what the message of the movie is, is that the middle class is right because they're the only ones that survive. And I said, that's you. Yeah, you're projecting That's that. I mean, you. They are, they, <laughs> they are types. Yes. But I don't think the intended message of the filmmakers had anything to do with class. I think it was more, this is the smart guy, this is the old fisherman who has practical and, experience, and this is and this Brody is the who's like man. the fish out of water. Yeah. The everyman. Yeah. The guy, he's us. Yeah. Most of us, most of us aren't, you know, salty fishermen. I'd love to see salty fishermen react. I would love to see that react video on YouTube. Salty fishermen react to Jaws. I don't know. You and think they'd they, be willing to fake reactions? For the sake sure. of a YouTube video? Sure, if they're getting money. Throw enough money at them. <laughs> the great thing, the great thing uh, aside from the performance, is Quint is really, boy, he's pushing up against that line, isn't he? <laughs> he's, he's not chewing the scenery. He no. owns every scene that he's in. He owns every scene that he's in. But he, he, there are moments of subtlety. 
But when we are first starting to get to know him, he's right on that edge. He goes much further, and he becomes a caricature. Yeah. Right? He becomes... He becomes, you know, Rip Torn and Beastmaster. He becomes <laughs> where he's just devouring the scene whole and there's no oxygen left in the room for any of the other performances. He never takes it that far. No. Right? Well, because I, I get it's one of the things that makes the movie so good. And ironically, because so much went wrong behind the scenes, but there's a confidence to his performance. Like he knows exactly what he's doing and he knows yep. that he can and even should go big with it up to a point, mm-hmm. but he can't take it so far that it seems like he's just jacking off. Yeah. You know, that he's just stroking his own ego and yeah. just doing whatever he wants to. He put a lot, he didn't want to do this movie at first. He admitted it. he really didn't want to do the movie at first. And then his wife and daughter told him, no, you got to do it. And the last time they, they told him that they, he needed to do the movie was from Russia with love. And so he trusted his wife and daughter's <laughs> opinion and went ahead and took it. And when he took the role, he took it seriously. He found people to, to model the character actor after and then uh, proceeded from there. And it was, it was a, he's great. It's, yeah. Quint is an iconic character at this point. Shit, all three of them are. Yeah. Um, and there's not a whole lot of movies where you can say that. Star Wars got it. Um, but there aren't a whole lot of movies where everyone has become that iconic in film in film history and so uh yeah it's great when it changes when it changes from a horror straight horror movie into an adventure film the score changes and it's when when they become when it becomes an adventure film when they're when they're hunting the shark um but that's still what i love about it is is it tricks you into thinking that it's an adventure film (laughs) it tricks you into thinking it like, oh boy, this is fun. And then the shark comes along, nearly kills Hooper. And then it's like the shark had to come back and remind them, no, I'm going to kill you and eat you. <laughs> this is not an adventure. This, this is, is a not horror a, story. I, I, try to, I try to kill Hooper. I, I, I almost eat the boat. And then I'm going to eat Quint. And by that point, everyone got lulled into this false sense of security. Like, oh, they're on top of it. They're, they're going to shoot with barrels and they're going to run it down. And then it all goes wrong. Yeah. Again, you've mentioned this before. They make plans. Yep. And then the plans go wrong. It's a perfect example of that. <laughs> it's a perfect example of that. And then they have, and then the, then the heroes have to improvise, and that's where the 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 tension and and the drama comes. You know, it's mm-hmm. now Brody's all by himself, and what's now? What does he do? What and is he going to do? He, he has going to get figure something out. Him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then the original one, the shark just dies. <laughs> it's a bit anticlimactic. It just dies of its injuries and sinks. Yeah, it's, hey, they fucked that shark up pretty good, you know. I mean. <laughs> but in this one, they said, no, explosion. And here's the thing. By this point, yes, we need the explosion. Yeah. We, we, we need the catharsis. We need to see Brody happy after he fucking blows up the shark. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, if you haven't seen it, guys, please see it. Absolutely. Um, if you get taken out because the shark looks fake, I can't help you. I can't help you. Yes, yeah. the shark looks fake. You know what else looks fake? Oz. Exactly. Oz looks fake. <laughs> like everything in every fantasy movie ever, because it's all everything made up stuff. Starts it doesn't to look exist. Fake. <laughs> There's fake looking shit in the Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. All of it is fake. Yeah. 
But that's the point. I mean, if it, like you said, if if it really bothers you and it is and it becomes an obstacle between you and the movie, there's really nothing no. you can do about it. It's just it's no. just it's you know it is what it is. But mm-hmm. hopefully, like the job of the filmmakers is so is to get you to the point that you don't care that you probably yeah. when you're when you're watching the movie you don't even notice. Like when I watch Jaws, I'm not sitting there as I'm watching it going, "God, the shark's so fake." The scar- yeah. the shark scares the shit out of me because nothing I'm takes into me it. out of the scene. Nothing yeah. because. <coughs> my concern is for the characters. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't care that it doesn't look like a great white shark, not even close to a great white shark. Yeah. It makes no difference to me at all. No, not at all. It could be a giant porpoise. I don't care what it is. that's trying <laughs> to kill the guys at the end. Right. The point is you care about the characters. You want them to make it out. Mm-hmm. And the shark is the threat that is chasing them. That's, that's what yep. is the important thing. Right. So Steve classic. Yeah, absolutely. 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 What, you think we're goddamn crazy? <laughs> I'm going to say, actually, you know what? I've given it a second thought. And, nah, I just can't quite this recommend is, it. This is one of those movies that are way up there for me. Third Man, The Thing, Jaws. I definitely, they never leave my top ten. And it's one they of those, never. it's one of those movies, like you said, it's, it's more than just a popcorn movie because it's, and it, it's one of my favorite kinds of movies. It's a movie that, it becomes a classic and becomes a work of art because it does what it does so incredibly well. Yeah. You know, it's not that it has artistic pretensions. It's that no. it executes everything so well that you watch it and you can say, yeah, it's a genre movie. It's an action movie. It's a popcorn movie. It's definitely, it's all of those things, but it's, it, it nails everything so beautifully. Yeah. And and there's so much craft that went into it that you have to give it up and say, yeah, of course, it is it is a, a crowd pleasing big blockbuster movie. It's aimed at a, a, a broad audience, but it's a masterpiece. Like, mm-hmm. it's so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. All right, Steve. Yeah. So now comes the time where you have to not recommend <sighs> a movie. Yeah, boy. And it's not like you're spoiled for choice because after Jaws hit big, everyone said, we need some kind of animal that goes crazy and eats people. So So we can show you how not to do this. (laughs) So we can make you wish you could just go see Jaws again. Go watch Jaws again, exactly. Um, So, yeah, I I did choose another giant uh, sea creature movie. Okay. But, see, I was... You know, I was trying to go for like, okay, Jaws is almost universally beloved. So I want a movie that's almost universally regarded to be a piece of garbage. I didn't want to do another giant shark movie. I mean, the way I could no, do one of the, we could, could do one of the Jaws sequels because they're all pretty rotten, but I didn't want to do that. Um, so I went with a movie that's not about a shark, but is about a whale. Mm-hmm. So... There was a movie that came out in the in the, the early '90s when I was just a kid called Free Willy. Oh, now God. I'm not I'm not going to not recommend Free Willy because I don't really think Free Willy is that great of a movie, but a lot of people really like Free Willy, and it was a very popular movie. So there's there's some discussion to be had there. They made a sequel to Free Willy, Free Willy Two. Mm-hmm. Also, I think a pretty rotten movie, but again. There what, are did some he people. Go to jail? Did he, he go to jail? He was again? in jail. He was. It was. Oh, he got arrested again. You know, recidivism is a real problem. And okay. uh, so, uh, but there are some people who really like Free Willy too. You know. So again, there's some discussion we had. But I'll tell you what. Pretty much everybody agrees that Free Willy three is just fucking garbage. So that's the movie that I am not recommending. 
okay. not Free Willy, not Free Willy 2, but the almost universally panned Free Willy 3, The Rescue. So, Wait, wasn't that the first one? That was all three of them, but it's, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. So if it's, if it's like if you saw Free Willy when you were 10 years old and you were like, oh, the whale. Then you saw Free Willy 2 when you were like 14 and you're like, oh, the same whale. There he is again. And then by the time Free Willy 3 comes out, you're 16 and you're like, fuck that whale. So Do I ever tell you that I come up with unofficial sequels to movies in my head? Oh, what's the what's your unofficial if sequel I, to if Free I Willy? Had, if I had money, I would make unofficial sequels to things where I use the same actors from the movies, but I put them in situations, and if I can't call them by their character names, they're just never called by their names. But it's obvious. <laughs> it's so obvious for meant example, to be the same person, yeah. My sequel to Ferris, Ferris Bueller would be Cameron, as an adult man, getting a call from Ferris Bueller, who needs to be picked up from prison because he's been released from prison <laughs> and he has to stay with Cameron and they have to work out their relationship with themselves and the town that he has fucking embezzled from. That's my unofficial <laughs> sequel to sequel to Ferris Bueller. I like it. I like it. You like that? I like it. So my un- unofficial, my unofficial sequel to Ferris Bueller, not uh, to free Willie is that the adult child is now an eco-terrorist and he's wanted <laughs> By I don't know Tommy Lee Jones. Of course, that there you go. Now you now you got mm-hmm. me. Where in the end it's revealed that all of the, every animal that he has saved has been recaptured and chopped into dog food. I like that. I like that a lot. There you go. Anyway, free, I like free, that free, Willy, free Willy Three. It stars Jason James Richter, who was the kid from the first one. He did all three of them. Um, it also stars Nobody. It was directed by Nobody. It was written by Nobody. Um, and nobody went to see it, so it was the last theatrically released Free Willy movie. So there you go. That's my that's my not recommendation. Free Willy uh, three. Well, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 1975, and there wasn't a whole lot of this, you know, <laughs> animals eating people, but there was one that's awful. It was on MST3K, so you might remember it from that. Oh boy. And, and if, you know what? I hate to say it. While this movie that we just reviewed was out in the theaters, the one that I'm going to not recommend feels like they made it in 1956 and delayed putting it into theaters for 20 years. <laughs> the movie is The Giant Spider Invasion. Oh, yes. It's god-awful. It's a terrible movie and one of the best episodes of MST3K. It is one made. of the best episodes because they, they get to make fun of it. Yeah. But if you're by yourself and this, and you, I'll check this out. Don't. <laughs> it's not fun. It's terrible. Unless, you've, unless it's been 20 minutes since you dropped the acid and you want to have a weird time. <laughs> if you want a bad trip, then watch The Giant Spider Invasion. Again, just like <sighs> Steve... Directed by nobody, written yeah. by nobody, starring nobody. It's a piece of shit. What is it about? Spiders that come from another planet. Yep. That's it. And that's it. And it's garbage. And none of the spiders look real. Nope. And they barely, they barely unless they were the living spiders that they were using. But Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a the, lot of regular size spiders that are in it, but the big mm-hmm. spiders look completely The giant spiders ridiculous. look like props that you yeah. bought from the Halloween store. Yeah. It's, it's bad. It's super bad. Hey, Steve. Yes, Jason. So this is the long a day, a long delayed, real viewer, a listener's choice. Yes, swear to God, this okay. time we're serious. 
swear to God, <laughs> when I asked people to send it in, this time I got all the names and I got all the all the su- suggestions. And so now we're going to pick the next listener's choice movie. Gotcha. Are you ready? Gotcha. <laughs> I would like to thank Jonathan Hove, Matthew Datcher, St. Swibbins, um, Ada B., Christopher Wilson, Tasby 12, Brian Axness, Whiskers, Mads, Doug Roosh, Vigo the Carpathian, James Stoddard. I didn't know we had Wigo. <laughs> oh, Vigo. Wigo. James Stoddard, Stephen and Cindy Dymick, Adam. Oh, Adam, you're going to have to forgive me. Adam Glugowitz. 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 <laughs> I'm not sure. Glugowitz. Robert Sewell. Sean, Sir Kit, Amanda Billings, Robin's Nest, who was one of the people that suggested House, um, Melanie Knoll, Red Meridian, Stephen Jolly, oh Steve Jolly, niece, niece Lone Wolf, Sir Alistair Octopus says support your your union, who is the other person that suggested House, so that became a winner. Yeah, for our Halloween one, Arcane Flame, Daniel Baggett, Brian Sheehan, Robert Mills, Jake Forty Two, and Porpoise Power. Thanks, everyone, to all of our patrons who sent in a suggestion. But guess what, Steve? What, man? We have a tie. <gasps> we do. With, t- with two votes each for two different movies. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. So you know what that means? I have to make a terrible choice? You still have to make a <laughs> terrible choice because we don't have a winner. Okay. So I'm, you have I'm, to choose okay. between A or B. A. Okay. Had you chosen B, we would be reviewing the classic <laughs> Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin thriller, Hunt for Red October. Okay. But you chose something in my wheelhouse. <gasps> I did. Man. Oh, yes, boy. You did. I can't wait to see what this is. The next movie that we're going to review, and this is a listener's choice. We probably would have gotten to it eventually anyhow, but I, I try to keep my personal stuff out of here as much as possible. <laughs> is the Adventure Fantasy movie by Jim Henson. Labyrinth. Oh, boy. Labyrinth, starring mm-hmm. a young Jennifer Connolly. Starring a young Jennifer Colony. Colony. Jennifer Colony. Generally, Jennifer Menominee. Starring Jennifer Jeminer Menominee. Boy, oh boy, she's sexy and she's married to Paul Bettany. Yep, she's married to Vision. Son of a bitch. Anyway, if you guys want to get all the jokes, then please rush out and stare at apparently what was the sexual awakening for an entire generation of women was the David Bowie. David Bowie's pants. David Bowie. Everyone went, what's going on in there? (laughs) (laughs) And watch Labyrinth. Yay. And that's it. 200 episodes down, 9,000 to go. We will not rest until we have reviewed every film that meets our criteria. I'm starting to measure my life in episode counts. That's that's scary. (laughs) Well, let's hope there's a lot more then, huh? Let's keep our fingers crossed. (laughs) But thanks, everyone, for tuning in, not just for to this show, but all, if you've done it, the 200, uh, 199 other episodes of the show. Yes. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks to all of our wonderful patrons. And, um, hey, if you guys have been listening for 200 episodes, why not become a patron? It's only a dollar. 
right? Yeah, and then you can help. You can throw in a vote for viewers' choice next time or listeners' can't choice even, next time. Can't even get a cup of coffee for a dollar. No. In fact, you can't buy nothing for a dollar. No, no, no it, you're not going to be able to spend a dollar on anything else. So just give it to us. That's true. But thanks, guys. And until next time, uh, see a movie this week. And, you know, this movie reminded me of what my father said to us when he got home from the Navy. What's that, Steve? I can swim. I just can't walk or undress myself. You you had to throw your father under the bus? Well, this was was a long time ago. He has since learned. Why aren't you taking care of him? No, he's fine now. This was a long time ago. He got out of the Navy like 40 years ago. Now, he, he has what did, since what did they to do walk. to him in the Navy where he forgot how to clothe and dress himself? Uh, he's, he's, you know, he doesn't like to talk about it. I, whenever I ask him about it, you know, he just kind of gets like a, uh, a distant look in his eyes and he kind of turns to one side. And then like I really get mad and I just start browbeating him. I mean, just hammering him like, tell me the story, old man. Tell me what the fuck happened, you motherfucker. And, you know, then he starts to cry. And then I, I have to start hitting him. And, you know. Is your father dead? No, my father is very Steve, much alive. I want proof of life. <laughs> is your father dead? Yeah, I, oh, you know what? He's in the next room. Hey, Dad. Ah! See, he's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did he also lose the ability to speak? Dad, say something. What do you want me to say? There, see? He's, he's still, he's alive. And right okay, I, here's what I want him to say. I want, I want to know if he's okay. Okay, Dad, tell Jason you're okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Why don't you come up to the camera? And no, say he's, hi shy. To everybody. he's camera shy. He's camera shy. No, I don't give he's a shit. Shy. He's been in, oh, you know, he, oh, he raised just left. you Bye, Dad. and he was in. The, Bye, Dad. He where just did he left. go? He had to go. Where did he had to go? Where? Where he did he go? Um, he, he had to go. He has a uh, appointment at the bank. At the bank. Had to go to the bank. Appointment and, made an appointment okay. at the bank, yeah. To do what? To, exactly. To, 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 uh, to, to open a bank account. For what? For his money. Okay, for his money. What was he keeping it? Under his bed? Yeah, well, no, he was, he was digging in the backyard, as he likes to do, and he found a jar with a bunch of money that he forgot that he had buried there a long time ago. So he was like, I should put this money in the bank now. And I said, that's a very okay. good idea, Dad. So he's going to the that's bank right. to open a bank account to put the money that he dug up out of the backyard into the bank. You so know, I have your address, bank. right? You, mm-hmm. you know, I know where you, I know where you live. Mm-hmm. And I have, I can do Google Maps to you, see if yep, there's any sure. interesting, you know, shapes in the ground in your backyard. Mm-hmm. You keep talking about going in the backyard and looking at the rabbits. It all depends on where, when that photo on Google earth was taken you know i mean oh okay maybe it's because i might see something that looks oddly like you know someone's buried back there could that be a thing that happens i'm really becoming it depends you know the clouds cast shadows you know it makes the topography look a little strange sometimes my dad is alive sure and he can walk and he can dress himself and he's everything's fine now (laughs) he's alive he can walk he can dress himself yeah so i just want to open he can open yeah. bank accounts. He can open. He's doing that right now. Are you collecting his social security check, Steve? I'm collecting them for him. And then oh, I see. So that, you know, he doesn't misplace them. So Steve, I remember a while back when you put gray in your beard and you looked almost exactly like your father. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And the people that? at the bank couldn't even tell the difference. <laughs>
Actually, you know what? In, in, in all in all seriousness, um, I think my dad was worried about that himself because several years ago he shaved his beard. So now I can't I can't impersonate him anymore, which sucks for me. You could always shave your beard. Uh, I I warn against it. I so do I. <laughs> you look weird. You look weird. I kind of look no, weird. Yeah. I I think I look much better with a beard. Yeah, so yeah. I agree. So never shave it off. I never will. I want you to grow it out. I want one of those great big long hillbilly beards. No, it's just going to be like this. I'm just going to keep it trim and neat. Yeah. For I my birthday. I don't want a hillbilly beard. Why not? I don't want to look like a reject from it's, Duck Dynasty. Okay. It's not like you're going out with anybody or doing anything socially. That's not the point. I, I keep it like this because this is the way I like it. Grow it out long. Grow out your fingernails. <laughs> so now, I, so you want me to just be a mountain person? <laughs> I want you to be like Howard Hughes. Yeah, towards sure. The end. You want me to be like bearskin, and I'll wear like a bearskin cloak, and there'll be a pocket in it that whenever I reach inside, there's always money. <laughs> that's right. But I can never yeah. clip my nails or cut my hair. That's that's my curse. Yeah. That's your curse. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like, what will it, you know, okay, you don't like talking to people when you go out. No, I really what don't. What better way is it that than to just grow out all of your hair, have the long yellow fingernails when you go? <laughs> you have a jar with cash in it. Yeah. And you pay for your groceries by by spiking them with it and just dropping it into the person's hand. And no one's going to talk to you. No one's even going to come close to you. And I'll walk with one shoulder up like this, like there's something wrong with me. Yeah, exactly. And carry my money jar up close to my chest, like. <laughs> <laughs> you need to let me plan your life. That's what I, I'm saying. I, I'm, uh, we'll talk about it. Okay, after the show. We'll talk about it after the show. Okay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.